on this episode of Coco Pods. Near death. I didn't actually. Yeah. I mean, I I did die, but like it wasn't permanent. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> a permanent. For the first time, realized like, oh, he was like raping people, like raping these people that I knew really well that were like kind of extended family to us. Holy hell. Holy hell. And so when I started testosterone, it was like the excitement was mostly like I'm in charge now. I get to choose who I am. That's a consequence that I don't know if I like would have been able to live with. Nah, man, we all are something and we need, just need to like figure out like we are are something and we can't just like choose infinitely what we are going to be. Like we are somewhat limited by mm. like our biology involved in a really violent <laughs> political organization. Absolute sausage fest yeah. on my days. Yeah. I was getting touched <laughs> up. Or like, okay, the cat calling thing also. Maybe hot take here, but like, I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely a couple of hot takes in this one, but way more important than that. Uh, Lana Power, a super interesting story. You know, she's um, she's 27, but has definitely lived a couple of lifetimes already. Um I mean, you heard it or you heard quite a bit in the preview, like, you know, from taking testosterone to near-death experiences to cults to all sorts of things. Um, very smart. You know, she's she's currently a new resident in London. She's actually from Texas. Uh, used to study used to study gender studies now is studying neuroscience so um quite a big shift in um shift in degrees i guess uh but a quick shout out to her podcast i'm gonna put a link in the bio she just released her first one lana power hour and yeah without further ado let's get into coco pod 16 okay you ready yeah how you feeling heart um, racing still yeah i i can feel a little bit like my voice is like <laughs> but it's so like autonomic you know what i mean like i have absolutely it feels like i have no control over it yeah so i feel like fine but my body doesn't your body is a bit like on edge <laughs> yeah like okay. let's see <laughs> oh no uh okay well first of all welcome thank you back to london you, just, you were just in uh uh were you uh what's sedona huh sedona arizona Arizona, I yeah. was right, yeah, 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 and you were cooking for Randall Carlson, Randall Carlson. big what RC. The, what the hell? How was that? <laughs> um, it was great. I, I don't know if I want to give the. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you not want to? Well, okay, so Randall Carlson is like. I'm a huge fan of his work, and he did like two weekends. He did like a two weekend, kind of. Um, fundraiser thing for his school that he's trying to build and the first weekend was like heavy hitters Graham Hancock was there and then the second weekend it was like the ragtag team of like the hanger on hangers honors it was just kind of like a real hippie weekend um so I made cookies for him nice to join together oh no way I told him about my personal theory of evolution yeah <laughs> and he said well it's very interesting Lana I have to go. <laughs> he, like, <walked> away. <laughs> That's quality. And I was like, thanks, Randall. <laughs> thanks, Randall. You are. You actually spoke to him fully. Yeah, he knows was, my name. Yeah. And we did trivia. I won some CBD gummies in the trivia. No way. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is sweet. About the Torrid Meteor Streams. That was the question. The, the, the what? The Torrid Meteor Streams. Oh, I don't know what that is. I think the question was about um, Tunguska, which is like a huge meteor impact site in Russia. Okay, yeah, from yeah, I know about that. The teens. Yeah. And so he was asking 
the, the trivia question that I got my CBD gummies from was what is the source uh, or like where did the impact, the meteor that impacted at Tunguska come from? What was the origin? And that's oh. from the Torrid Meteor Stream. Okay, nice. Fun fact. Fun fact. I like it. <laughs> yeah, there's trivia for all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> nice. How was, um, what, what was his presence like? Was this kind well, of what so I've you met imagine? Him, I've met him before. Um, so I kind of knew what to expect just in terms of him being like literally Santa. Like he's just the most like jolly, jovial man. Um, he just, and he's kind of, he's kind of childlike in a way, you know, he just like wants his grape juice and his cookies and he's just like, he's very playful. Um, and I think it's, it's really cool to see somebody who's like gathered some level of like fame, you know, he's like been on, on, um, Joe Rogan and stuff. And I think a lot of people, he has like a big kind of cult following now, but he's so like friendly. He knows everybody's name and he's like playful with people. Um, nice. He's a perfect, he's going to be a perfect educator. Like he's trying to start a school. So he's going to be perfect oh, okay. at like educating kids. Educating kids. Or yeah. or adults too. I mean, he's an just, adult yeah, educator yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, he's a fascinating character. Yeah, it just seems like, um, uh, you know, when I've watched his podcast, yeah. he's so like, he's so easy to follow. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like there's no um, there's no pretentiousness. There's no sort of like, uh, I mean, I guess like I don't know, everyone has an ego, but it feels like he's very like yeah. the way he presents himself is is super calming and super easy to take in from someone that sort of the way he describes things is sort of makes you feel smarter than you really are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when I listen to him, I'm like, oh, well, wow. there's a way he's also. It's just a matter of being a good educator. There's a way he's also repetitive with the information that doesn't f- make you feel like he's underestimating your intelligence. Mm. He's like circling back and like reminding you of things he said. But sometimes people do that and you're like, yeah, bro, I fucking heard you. Like, you said it three times already. But I think also it just has to do with how like intelligent he is. And it's not only intelligence, but just like how much information he has stored in his mm. brain. Like he's a rare specimen of someone who's like truly specialized in a topic that like no one he's like a true kind of like inventive researcher like nobody else knows what randall carlson knows yeah do you know what i mean he's like he has his own brand he has his own branch of knowledge and how and how like um archaeology relates to astronomy and geology and um that like some of the weekend that i was at was relating to like ancient myths and how the myths are written in the stars and in archaeology and I just don't, I've never heard anybody else have like kind of mold their own brand of like branch of knowledge before. And so he's like offering that package to mm. you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's very rare. Like there aren't many people who do that. No, not at all. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just sick. Yeah, I love it. He's um, just, yeah, just, I've always found him very pleasant just to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't like Santa? Right, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and some of the also, should I back away when I... No, no, you yeah. do what you please, yeah. Um, some of what I, like, what I was really excited about that he was talking about was, like, he started producing, like, releasing this content about the Holy Grail. Are you familiar with the Holy Grail? Uh, tell me. It's, like, an ancient myth. It's, like, the King Arthur and the Round Table. Is, is about like this quest for the Holy Grail, which is like, in, in myth, it's like a, a chalice, I suppose, that holds like the secrets of the universe. Um, and so he was giving some presentations about how like, 
the whole the all these old myths about the Holy Grail, about the secrets of the universe are, and he was relating it to it's written in the stars, it's written in like the geological record. And he's basically just like producing a, th- a theory of everything. Like he honestly just has his own like b- brand of world history. He's like, this is my, this is what I, like it's brave. It's bold as fuck to be like, I have my own narrative of world his of, you know, the history of life. I have my own idea of the history of the universe and evolution. Um, and that's what makes him so, so like special is bold enough to be like, no, I think everybody's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, he, you know? and he can back it up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, like what? He's got like sixteen hours worth of lecture just on Atlantis, and like. Oh, I watched it. Yeah, it's good. I, yeah. I can send you a password if you want to watch. Oh it. yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a nice little tangent to start off with. He, um, yeah, it's, it's it's such a random thing that you know him, and like there's it the, is uh, very random. The connection it, there is just like yeah, silly random. My mom knows him. That's, yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. also insanely random. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they just met random, randomly. Randomly, yeah. Chance, you know, by circumstance. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get to the thick of it. I want to, I want to talk about. Obviously, uh, you've had a super interesting beginning of your life. You know, sort of grew up in a cult, uh, which is. Um, you know, pretty unusual way to grow up. Uh, Everybody's got their own brand of freakiness. Yeah, definitely, you know? <laughs> definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, well, to be honest, I just kind of want to let you let you just give me an overview of that. You know, when did it start? When did it end? And I'll sort of ask you a couple questions about specifically it. specifically the the cult stuff. Yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> just the first one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to the other ones later. <laughs> yeah. um, well, no, yeah, I think. My story isn't necessarily that I grew up in a cult and this kind of stereotyped idea of how you would see like isolation from the outside world and like being completely indoctrinated. Um, the situation was just that when my parents divorced when I was like five, um, my mom kind of joined a spiritual community, I guess, which was like in the West is the origin of a lot of kind of culty type things. Um, and she kind of hid it from us for a while it hid it from us and my dad and then just as time went on she got like more involved like she wasn't I don't really know exactly what she was up to in those years but it seems like her whole life was like dedicated to being in this like spiritual community um and then as my brother and I got older we just started being kind of like brought into the fold uh, like the meetings we would have these like meditation meetings where you basically just sit and listen to this man on like a throne talking and he would um do like active meditations and we would play games and go on like outings and stuff. And I was a kid, so I kind of didn't think it was abnormal, you know? And in a way, and in a way, maybe, maybe it's not super abnormal. It was just kind of like, Oh yeah. Like this is just what's happening. Um, which was also odd because I, I split my time halfway between my mom and my dad's house. So it was like my brother and I were, having this experience that we didn't really know how to label in any way. And we weren't talking to anybody because it was just like, yeah, this is just what, what life is like. And then we would go live with my dad and my dad had like no idea because my parents didn't really communicate with each other very much. Um, and I think they just kind of had no idea like what the other parent was, how they were, t- you know, parenting us, I guess. Um, and I didn't, I guess I didn't 
realize how odd it was until like the documentary came out. Well, there was like things fell apart and my mom told us, oh, yeah, like we're not going to go participate in this anymore. Like some people uh, think that like some people don't want to be involved anymore, but it was very vague. Like when things kind of started falling apart, it was just really vague to us. I was probably like 12 or 13. Mm. And then it was very obvious that there were like secrets that were being hidden for us. I remember Googling. I remember Googling like like weird people in Austin mystery fall apart you know because <laughs> I, I had no idea how to like label what was going on like like mystery school of people because what did, happened did, did, it have, did, it, did it have a name did, did, did the group sort of um, give itself a name the, the time? my mom talked my mom called it the buddha field but there was like no official name and the guy who was like the kind of leader of it all would change names like he had different names as yeah right because in california had a different name yeah and then so what was his name to begin with I don't even know, to be honest. I know we called him Andreas. Andreas, and then, but every time I would ask, it was like there was a secret of like, like it can't be spoken. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you're not, you're not allowed to like speak of him directly. Like you have to, you have to kind of talk about it abstractly. Um, But if someone was to refer to him, it was Andreas, and that I also knew he had previously gone by Dorothy. Right. Yeah. I never heard anyone call him that, but that was. That was part of it. Yeah. So you were you were in it from what age? From five? No, my so my mom was in it at five. Um, I don't want to portray it like we were we were in it all the time. Yeah, no, no. It's not just about sort of when did it begin for you? My mom joined when I was five, and then we started kind of getting like brought in slowly over time. Yeah. Um, Probably probably from like eight to ten, and then it really kind of fell apart when I was twelve. Okay, so you were in it, yeah. 13 maybe yeah okay yeah 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 Yeah. and then uh and what was the documentary called again holy hell holy hell so that's the that's where and it's on amazon i I think it was on netflix and now it's on amazon now yeah yeah um well see the crazy thing about it also i feel like we've talked about this um jared leto is like one of the producers of the film yes and like jared leto is kind of a figure who's has like kind of mystery that follows him in Hollywood. But there's, after the movie came out, there's like pictures of him on like some, his like private island or something, like basically mimicking the imagery of the film with like him in like a throne and dressed in all white with like people sitting around him listening, which is very odd, <laughs> which is very odd because it, the documentary was kind of an expose of like... Um, this weird... Yeah, kind of the risks and challenges of like people... Um, people gathering in community and maybe like getting too involved and too invested in in the community at the sake of their own lives and their own intuition and their own selves. So it was, I, I, it was kind of like a, a warning in a way, but then he's taking it and being like, ah, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want yeah, people yeah. to follow me around and tell me I'm a great master. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a weird, I mean, yeah, we have, you have mentioned that to me before. Yeah. And um yeah, strange. And then, so yeah, so you left, uh, yeah, you know, your mom and you guys sort of left the the cult when you were sort of 13 and then the documentary came out like five years later? Or? No, it was, I have a horrible sense of time. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember I went and saw it with my brother um, at like a local theater that was playing it 
and it was like kind of one of those like the, it's only showing for like one or two nights right, right, we went right. and saw it and like everyone else in the theater was people who had been involved so it was kind of this throwback for us to be like oh shit like we, I recognize them and I recognize yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. and we had no idea what the documentary was going to be about all we knew was that like people left people left and my mom wasn't involved anymore and then that was kind of it uh, yeah and so we had also if you watch the documentary you'll see that at one point um they moved from austin to hawaii and for a while and and at like the move from austin to hawaii had to do with like kind of some disclosure about like sexual assault and like sexual violence that had been happening in the cult and people were speaking out and some people were leaving and some people were defending him and sticking around and then to avoid I think there was a lot of paranoia about the state getting involved or like I remember there was always paranoia about the CIA or something mm, like following yeah, them yeah. I don't know that many details about that specifically but um they went to Hawaii to kind of like avoid the um all of the like speculation and rumors and stuff and so my mom and my brother and I went to Hawaii like multiple times to, to be, to be supportive and to like, just be involved. Um, which is crazy because that kind of felt like the time that we were most involved was like when we were going to Hawaii all the time and like staying in a house with them and like really being a part of it. And so it was really wild to see the documentary that that was after people already knew about all the like sexual Sexual violence stuff. And so it's kind of strange to just be like, wow, we were all doing that. And like, no one told us what was going on. And like, there were so many people who were in denial about what was going on, who were just like still following him. Um, and so when my brother and I saw the movie, we, for the first time realized like, oh, he was like raping people, like raping these people that I knew really well that were like kind of extended family to us. Um, and that was wild. And it was also wild because it was just wild to realize that like it had my mom didn't tell us you know what i mean she's mm. like you'll figure it out for yourself so. yeah it is what is that my cut on professional <laughs> shame on you i know right i know um i mean I know it's quite personal but yeah. uh, just like you know what, what do you think uh how do you think that sort of experience scarred you or not i guess lack of a better word yeah i guess scarred in it and not 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 necessarily um you know the co experience by itself but uh the fact that you just sort of just didn't know anything until that documentary came out um when uh, I guess when you sort of realized all these things were happening. Uh, yeah, how did that shift your psyche? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know <clears throat> if scar is maybe the best way to describe it. I think it's just more of like... And it was an educational experience to have at such a young age when like most people don't get that kind of insight into like the human psyche and like human impulses and and like blind spots in the human psyche until they're kind of older it was just it's I look at it kind of the same way I do any difficult thing that's happened in my life which is like it's an initiation into understanding 
life and yourself and humanity in a deeper level. It's like if you can step outside of any pain or confusion or like trauma, if you can kind of hold yourself in safety with all of the negative emotions involved with something, you can step outside of it and like have see the insight that it can provide you. And so I think over the years, I realized that it had given me really keen insight onto the ways that people sacrifice themselves and like their intuition and their truth for the sake of belonging and community and um, yeah, just things that are natural human needs and desires, which is like to belong to a group and to not only to long to belong, but like to participate in a group and be needed and like need people. Um, those are deep evolutionary human needs, but also within like the complexity of our social environment, they can be like really twisted into like, um, yeah, they can just be like really kind of twisted and gnarled into some other like darker parts of human nature. And so like part of the thing with cults and part of why I would say I, w I would consider this whole experience that it had ended up in kind of a culty thing is that like a lot of them start with a really true desire for people to gather and people for, to people for to collectivize and like feel like a part of something. And then over time, like the needs of the community, the needs of the group start to become more important than like the needs and the reality of the individual people involved. And then it starts, there starts to become like a party line and like a dogmatic party line about like, well, we as a group, we think this way. And like, we, we, we actually do things this way. And then it requires the people involved to start sacrificing their individuality to participate in mm -hmm. the group think. And I, I can't help but feel like that's a natural evolution of like groups when not provided with like appropriate boundaries around the relationship between the individual and the group. And, and I think um, that process of like the needs of the group the the kind of dogmatic thinking in order to belong that process is ha like you can in, you can see that happening in so many other ways like in, in everywhere in society like i wrote a paper in college about how like the bachelor is that way in a way but like just these these this empire of like heterosexuality is like um there's certain like things that you do to just belong um and so I just feel like I, I saw that process happening and like unfolding and I saw like the negative way that that can unfold at a really young age. And it made me like very just aware of those processes. And that's not to say I would love to give you some story about how like, and therefore I would never fall for that myself, <laughs> you know, like therefore I like am always so aware of like yeah. how I sacrifice my truth for the sake of belonging because like, you know, I have fallen for other <laughs> kind of dogmatic yeah. group thinking things since then, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you touched on a lot, uh, a lot then, but. <laughs> you I, asked for it. Yeah, no, I did, I did. I, I, I don't know, for me, it's, I always find the, you know, the sort of the, the, the giving up 
of your sort of individual individual ideas and individual thoughts for the sake of you know group group thinking and stuff um and yeah, yeah that, you know in like today's society it's like super relevant you know and how uh and it's probably not even just in today's society probably in like all of human history on how um how people act in groups to sort of satisfy the group need rather than you know them as an individual uh and i guess we sort of you know we sort of talked about like the negative side of that but um well it's a que- you- it's a question of like where at what point does that does that like balance become harmful mm. because like I- i'm not 100% like an individualist like a solipsistic individualist and like you know we should like the selfish gene we should just only have our our self our self interests at yeah, yeah. in mind and like fuck everyone else um i don't think that but there's a like there's a relationship between them and there's like there's ways to set boundaries between like the individual and the group mm. that are healthy and beneficial to both and there's ways in which that like that boundary can be exploitative one way or the other yeah definitely yeah yeah you know? yeah and I think that balances that equilibrium super hard to find. Yeah. Um, and obviously it gets out of hand, obviously, through cards and yeah. and then uh, all, all types of other stuff, you know, just pure like you know, political groups and whatever part of society you take, there's always some sort of group think that, you know, it's, it's and also it's kind of easier to, um, you know, when you're in a group, just not sort of not to question things because... Uh, questioning things sometimes you know at the end up uh <laughs> you end up a bit existential <laughs> questioning yeah. your whole like whole existence uh well i think i think like a requirement for like that relationship to be healthy is that like questioning should always be possible like yeah. there always needs to be room for questioning because i also kind of am a believer that like hypocrisy is unavoidable and that, like, at the point where you can't acknowledge the hypocrisy of your group, or, like, even individualistically, like, your own hypocrisy, like, that's that's when things are starting to get a little twisted, mm. you know? But if there's, if there's room and space to be, like, yeah, like, maybe this is something we don't completely understand, or maybe there's a little hypocrisy involved there. So to have the space for questioning and also the kind of lenience for, like, admitting that like you don't have it all figured out yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's how that stays kind of buoyant and not dogmatic and doesn't get like rooted down into right right right, right. it's just not it's not you know, it's not black and white you know there's yeah lo- lots in between lots yeah, of like yeah yeah nuance um yeah yeah uh okay uh <laughs> uh just to move on from that i uh you had um pretty severe ski accident that I also want to um, touch on a little bit. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I forget yeah. about it sometimes, but yeah, yeah I did. Uh, I don't know how you forget about that, but... Yeah. It's just not pertinent in my mind all the time. Yeah, of course, know? yeah. Um, but you had a near-death experience or, or a death experience? Near, I mean, I'm, I I sit here before you today. Oh, you do? Yeah. So it was a near death. I didn't actually... Yeah. I mean, I, I did die, but like it wasn't... Um, permanent permanent yeah it wasn't, a permanent, <laughs> wasn't the long good night you know what i mean yeah, it was just a little yeah, short yeah. good night <laughs> um that happened when you were like oh how like 18 or something um 
Yeah, I was 18 or 19. Yeah. December 19th, 2013. Okay. Let you know the date. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you were skiing, you hurt a tree, you split your head open. Yeah. And my it, jaw. Your jaw. Like my teeth split apart. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And it went, um, and you were clinically dead for how long do you know? I don't know. Like a lot of the early medical records about it, we ha- haven't seen for some reason. I don't know why, but like the ski resort, the people who found me, something to do with the medics, there's like certain parts of the records that like we don't have access to. So like I only know what happened when I got to the hospital in, in Denver, essentially. Um, what happened there? Um, well, basically, you know, my ego just got me into a little trouble was kind of what happened. Like, um, I was living in Colorado at the time and my family was in town for like, just, we were skiing and I, I was just, <laughs> it's like embarrassing to admit, but I was like annoyed that no one could keep up with me on the slopes. I was like, Oh, these fuckers, they don't know how to like ski hard. Like I do, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. the world smacked me down, Quite, <laughs> smacked yeah, my ego down. Yeah. Um, so I was by myself, like on like a kind of back slope or whatever. Um, and I remember thinking before it happened, like, I'm going too fast. This is going to be like, this is going to end poorly. Yeah. I was like, I'm losing control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, and it, I, it, I don't remember like the actual day of the accident. I remember like the day before I had been like just being really risky. And I was like, I, I think I'm losing control, but I like, couldn't a- help myself. Yeah. Um, and so what's kind of odd is that I remember so i ran into a tree jaw first um no one saw it happen but that's kind of the theory just based on like the injuries that i had because my jaw was split here and here and my c2 was fractured your c2 which is um it's like a vertebrae it's like a cervical vertebrae oh okay oh i see yeah Yeah. it's the one that um christopher reeves like was paralyzed by so i was like a mill like just a contour away from being paralyzed yeah completely paralyzed um and I remember, this is so odd, just it's an odd feature of like kind of memory and adrenaline, but like I remember waking up slightly in the um, helicopter and like just moaning. <laughs> and they're like, they were, they realized I was kind of conscious and were asking me all these questions, but I couldn't really answer. I was just kind of like moaning. Uh, yeah. And then it went black for like weeks. So like I, it's very odd that I have this like one sliver of a memory being in the helicopter. And then that's and then it. nothing. And then I remember like, <laughs> having my ass wiped by a nurse, you know what I mean? Like just the most lovely things that you could possibly remember from, (laughs) from like your weeks of like being in the hospital. Yeah. And then how long you were in the hospital for? Two weeks, I think. And then you can't remember anything of that apart from your ass getting wiped. (laughs) (laughs) You know, interesting experience. Everyone should have it at least Uh, once. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Humbling about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it wasn't a nurse. It was my stepmom actually who I remember wiping my ass, which is even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's real humbling. It was very humbling, yeah. (laughs) And and then, yeah, but then you sort of woke up started going about your life again yeah it was miraculous actually like from my understanding while i was unconscious it was a bit of like they didn't know what state i would be in when i woke up really so it was kind of like potentially like they're telling my parents like potentially your child is a vegetable like we're just they couldn't really like assess the damage until i woke up i think Mm. um and so they were they're just kind of like waiting for me to just like waiting to see how 
I would kind of come to. Um, and like, look at me now. <laughs> look at you now, yeah. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm like, I, I pretty much, one day, I pretty much, like my, my personality came back, which is what everybody told me. They were like, there was a while where you were conscious and you were just kind of like laying there and like mumbling and like weren't really there. But then one day, it was the day after, no, I don't remember exactly when it was, but like the actual date, but they just said like, I started being able to have conversations and like my personality like came, came back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what switched and maybe it was just like the heal, the certain levels of like healing had occurred to where like more of my cognition was accessible or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe that was, you know, I guess your body also like prioritizes what's important to yeah. repair. So maybe it's like, okay, cool. We've repaired yeah, yeah. the rest of the night. It's time to like get the cognition and the, uh, I was also just right on the edge of like so many things being tragic, like my my vertebrae being like just barely fractured, not enough to be like completely paralyzed. Um, my jaw being like just not bad enough to where I didn't have to wear a halo, like those like <laughs> wire yeah. Yeah, cages yeah. around your face essentially. They were gonna put one on me, but my mom like basically like physically fought the doctor about it <laughs> from that's the story I'm told about it. Yeah. And was like, you're not gonna put my child in a cage. Um, so I was just, I was just like lucky enough to just kind of like slip through all of the cracks, all of the like horrendous cracks I could have fallen into. I just, you know, yeah, you sort of slipped through and survived. That is a, uh, that's rough. And then, <laughs> yeah, when you came back, um, did people notice anything different about you, or did you notice anything different about yourself, which is sort of. I think the latter will probably be more difficult to sort of recognize. But when you sort of came back to it, did people notice like, you know, did parts of your personality change? Did parts of like, you know, he, he, yeah, he, he, he was a human sort of. I would say immediately no. I remember like, I remember a lot of people being like, you just experienced something life changing and kind of expecting it to change me and kind of expecting me to be different and being like, I don't know, like, I don't remember all that. Like, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dot, like, I I have like another story about kind of like what crossing over felt like, I guess, or like, I don't even know if it was crossing over, but just there was kind of like a spiritual experience of like, um, kind of like my spirit deciding whether or not I wanted to die or not. It was like this moment of feeling like, I had a choice like do you want to kind of call it or like do you want another chance and I remember being like very sure that I wanted another chance but that memory didn't come back until like months after the accident which was interesting so like people were like well you just had this like incredible life-changing experience and I just felt like maybe you were expecting me to change but it just it, it wasn't immediate like it took it was it took time it took like months and years for like the for me to really like recognize what I went through you know um and I think like over time what I realized was like I had a chance to just like end it like my spirit could have moved on my mm -hmm. spirit had a chance to like call it a day try it try again you know like tr try another body and like see how it goes there um but having that memory of like, no, like I, I want to like see this one mm. through like that as I think the thing that 
that is stuck with me the most and that has like kind of that like some of the change from the accident has kind of oriented around that's like I'm pretty sure now that like I want to be me yeah I'm pretty sure that like I'm happy being myself yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a cool thing to walk around feeling you know and to be sort of sure, sure yeah to just be like yeah I want to be Lana you yeah, know? yeah like my 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 like spirit wants to be Lana and how did that uh, how did that memory sort of come back? Was it? I was driving. You were driving. It was very dramatic. It was like so dramatic. <laughs> I remember I was driving in the rain. It was like thundering, and I was getting. I can like picture it, it like exactly as Vivid. the moment happened. Um, I was like getting on the highway on like the Lake Travis, um, like intersection of Mopac and Austin, um, and it just like hit me suddenly and I just immediately started bawling and I had to like pull over I had to like immediately exit and pull over and I just was like bawling um the, the memory just like hit me all of a sudden and it was like this memory of the white light you know <laughs> everybody talks about the white light mm. um and that there was like almost like a council of like angels or something who I was like pleading to and there it was like it was almost like like heavenly court or something like all right you know we next case coming in they have the yeah, files they're like yeah. okay um we I'm got a power. spirit here like it's gonna <laughs> maybe come over like what do you want like plead your case or whatever and i was like let me back in like i want i want i want back in um <laughs> that's hilarious what do the creatures look like they look like like this like straight angels like, just angels yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the viewers um they look like and you know i don't could have been like DMT release or like I I haven't necessarily made a definitive statement about like where's what is the origin of that like memory mm. um was it some real like kind of spiritual counsel that I was like projected up into or was it a feature of kind of like a chemical release in my brain I don't know but like what I have the subjective experience of the memory and it's like valuable to me it's like pertinent to me you know mm. it felt kind of like um you know that scene in harry potter when he dies and he's like at the train station with dumbledore you know what i'm talking about uh <laughs> when at the very end when like voldemort i think voldemort killed like they kill each other or something yeah, 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 yeah. and then there's like a white okay space and he's with dumbledore and voldemort's like a like sniveling little like maggot on the ground it had like a similar feeling of a that. similar feel of that yeah oh man that is uh it's a it's a lot it's a lot for someone uh to experience before they turn 20. <laughs> yeah. um um and yeah what and then sort of people uh, and then do you think do you think that that experience with it within itself uh that's when you sort of um, started to, uh, I guess, um, make sense of what happened or... The memory? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that gave me a lot of... Um, like I said, like that was kind of like an orienting experience of like how the rest of the way I processed the experience was like oriented around. Um, but I also like kind of remember feeling like 
I expected it to change me more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I expect it like, I I, like judge myself of like, should I be like more, (laughs) like transformed by this, you know, because it was like, I was still a teenager. Like I still like was an idiot. Like, and so like, just like went to college and like did normal idiotic shit. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is um Like am I supposed to be like enlightened in some yeah, way? Yeah, right. Yeah, this, no, that's what know? I was thinking because is, is there <laughs> yeah. like a pressure like after uh, Yeah, there was a pressure but a like pr- <laughs> pressure to be this like enlightened person now that you've like experienced death or whatever. I think I think any only forms of me feeling that was kind of self-imposed, you know, of like I mean, there were some people like my mom has like a lot of she's like involved in a lot of spiritual communities. And so like a lot of her friends would just be like really like, wow, like invested in the story. And like you must have, you know, seen a lot and like think that it gave me some special powers. And I just kind of remember being like, well, I don't know. (laughs) You could have played out. You could have become a leader. You could have become. I know. But that's see, that's the problem with all of this also. And I feel like you know this about me that like there's I have like a cult leader kind of tendency <laughs> maybe <laughs> that who knows, could come out someday hey, <laughs> in your in, a, in your later years you might become a some sort of guru shaman yeah <laughs> i would not be careful yeah seriously who knows i might join be skeptical of anything i say yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay i think i feel um <laughs> i mean to be honest I, I feel like i've sort of just brought you on just to tell tell your story because um yeah. <laughs> i've um you know honestly sort of from uh from when we met i was like wow this is sort of um i don't know sometimes it, there's like just stories just like worth telling and then and you've had such a sort of uh v- like varied life that um you know it's uh yeah it's just a unique unique within itself but so many different experiences in such a short um short amount of time yeah um i think um i think i mean i think it's made you like a really mature person and i really like um sort of grounded in the fact that no matter how much you experience in life that you're still we're all still um sort of like fragile humans and we still yeah. have um we still have our blind spots no matter how much we sort of experience but sort of being aware of those blind spots i guess is kind of kind of part of growing up and becoming enlightened or whatever yeah. you know yeah, yeah. i think also like there's something about having like i guess intense there's something about having intense experiences where like I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier of like you can kind of choose how you're gonna deal with it in a way and like um especially when it relates to like your identity and like so to have to have experiences like especially as a kid um that kind of like pull on your developing sense of identity because like the cult thing mixed with also like living with my dad who like wasn't involved in a cult was like there's this developmental part of of like there's this confusion about like well who like am i you know like like what is what is the world like i was just getting i was getting 
mixed signals about like what the moral universe I existed inside of was and mm. like what reality was. And I think that was like really disorienting. And um, what you can choose to do with like kind of like experiences that afterwards are like disorienting to you is like almost try to like choose to step outside of them and see them as like separate from you and being like that is like some thing that I went through but there's like a part of me that's not related to that do you know what I mean like you you learn how to identify more with like (laughs) things that are authentic (laughs) like things that are just like there's like a natural pulse like an impulse within each person that's like organic to them that can get like funneled into different external things um and it's really hard to like kind of tell what the difference is between those sometimes of like what's like authentic and organic to me and what is like being what parts of me are kind of just getting pulled by the outside world um but having so many like weird experiences of just getting pulled in different directions like has helped me just like take a step back in a way and try and orient more around like what what's, the, what's like yeah, yeah what's the thing that's in like in here like what's the thing that's like I really wish there was a better word yeah, <laughs> than yeah, authentic yeah. but like I think impulse is a is yeah. probably the next best thing in a way of like what's the like what like what is your heart mm. saying yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean and, I mean and also I guess um as much as it is an impulse um uh I do also think that the impulses can also be um uh influenced by the outside outside desires as well so i think there is there is a bit of a push and pull there as well where it's sort of um there's a crossover but i do know what you mean you know we all have our, our our things that we're just naturally interested in you know for whatever reason and uh And for some reason, it sort of works, you know, uh, and in how sort of like society, you know, works as in like, you know, some people just become carpenters and some people yeah, yeah. become doctors and there's just natural pulls to different things in a sort of, I, I, I guess there's, I mean, and, and it's not because, you know, it's like, uh, is it because like, you know, like, oh, uh, someone's like, oh, I want to be a carpenter. Or is it because society needs more carpenters right now? So I'm going to become a carpenter and that's going to be like a satisfying thing. Uh. You know, I I have a strong opinion about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that like, um, it's potentially non-conventional, but like I do tend to think that like we are all who we are and that there's a large part of it that's kind of unchangeable. And that, like, there's a way in which you can change, like, the way that you express who you are can, like, be different. Like, you can express your desire for carpentry through, like, you can make cabinets or you could do construct. you know, like, there's different mm, things. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just a crude example. But, like, um, just, like, the more time that goes on, I think we actually can't. I think we all are something and we can't really fundamentally change what that something is. And that it's like, you just kind of are who you are. 
you can change how that thing gets expressed or how that thing relates to the environment or how it relates to other people. But like the, the core of like what a person's like spirit is, I think doesn't really, I think it just, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So are are you kind of sort of saying it doesn't, I guess, I guess it's like whenever like people's personalities are, uh, are they jobs type of thing? Um, you know, is it like, is it when, regardless if you're a carpenter or a doctor, because those are the examples we're going with, but um, that's sort of like the medium is not, it, it the medium doesn't really matter in, in so much of who you are, because whatever you do, you'll still be that, that entity. And sort of the way you ex- you express your uh sort of the way you express who you are isn't necessarily as as important or vital i guess um wh- whether you become a carpenter or a doctor doesn't um doesn't necessarily change who you are but it's just rather an expression of who you are yeah, of, yeah. yeah yeah and i tend to think that it is kind of mechanistic in the sense of like it just has to do with the way that like our neural circuitry is laid out to where like certain information gets processed and like stored and received and retrieved in our brains in certain ways and like people have certain kind of like dispositions for things and I think that there's like like I tend to think that there's like kind of biological correlates for like the reason that those things are the way they are like why we have like why we just have this thing that's just like, that's just who you are. Like an example is like um, kinks, like like how men are more likely to develop like sexual kinks. Um, and there's like a kind of running theory about it is that it has to do with like different things being associated with like the early wiring of like sexual circuitry. So like, for example, if the first time you have like a sexual impulse someone's wearing red lipstick or like or there's like you're wearing something that has a lot of zippers on it or like something that can just be kind of random randomly associated can become like like associated within your neural circuitry that's like oh well now that's related to my sexuality or whatever and so I think like there's a lot of parts of us that are just um like wired within us either by experience or what for whatever reason um and that like we can express it differently but for the most part you just just is what it is and and a lot of that wiring like through developmental time like there's different critical stages in like the, the development of the nervous system and like kind of the earlier it is like the more kind of powerful it is in your system so like your neural circuitry starts being wired like in the womb and there's like different signals you're getting in the womb about like how much stress, how much like stress cortisol and like uh, hormone exposure that you're getting in the womb, like all of that's influencing the way that you're being wired. And then as you get older, that's going to like express out into who you are. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort, of, it sort of starts way earlier than what we think. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that there's like, there's just, it just relates to my, my just thesis, my theory about like, we are who we are. We can't, we can't really change it. And you, there's, of course, there's like neuro, there's plasticity involved in the nervous system, but for the most part, there's also parts of us that just 
is who you is. Mm. And I think that's kind of uh, actually like a relief to acknowledge. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of something kind of peaceful about it. Just like, yeah, I just am who I am. Yeah, of course. And then um, I guess a nice way to like segue into the next step of the conversation is, um, you know, the feeling of self and identity, you know, it's just like, um, I feel like, um, I mean, it feels like more, more now than ever, you know, uh, people have a lot of issues with the self and identity. Um, and you know, what they associate themselves with, who they associate themselves with, um, what does that mean for them as like a as like a as an individual, and how they slot themselves into whatever part of society? Um, you know, like like why do you think so many people have like I guess identity crisis and <laughs> in in today's <laughs> age? Um. Why do people have identity crises? <laughs> well, I've had plenty in my life, definitely, and I don't think that they're that they're, they're over. Over, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like um, a trap that's easy, really easy to fall into. Yeah. Um, why do people have identity crises? I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah. Why do you think people have identity crises? Why do I think people yeah. have identity crises? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult for me to like um, answer this question on like a on a level more than myself. Yeah. Uh, because well, so, when was your last identity crisis? I don't Did know. Like, I don't really know. I kind of <laughs> mine's just sort of just like a constant one, <laughs> where. You're more you you're more of an observational. You observe others' identity crises. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I know I observe I observe myself as well um, because for me, it's like my my sort of I guess uh, problem with identity is um, I've never I'm, I've I, I feel pressure to find my niche. You know mm. what I mean? I feel pressure to just find like my niche and just to do that. But um, yeah, I haven't haven't felt my niche. Uh, and does that feel like a crisis a little bit? A little bit, yeah. yeah. It feels like wow, like I need I need to find this thing before you know before I don't know, before I'm thirty or something. You know, there's yeah. there's, there's it feels there feels like there's a there's pressure, and I don't know if and I don't know how much of that pressure is through society, and I don't know how much of that pressure comes through uh, nature. Just our sort of our. Um, our human need just to progress and and do something significant in the world to sort of uh, progress humanity, you know, from that side of thing. Um, because you know, like, it's it's good to have it's good to have a niche in in a sense that you know you sort of become a master of something, uh, and you can really progress in that field and you can really push society to to sort of in that field, whatever. But then I also recognize that there's. Um, there's positives in having your finger in a lot of things yeah. because then you can sort of make connections uh, that other people wouldn't see. Um, so I guess for me, I don't know if it's an identity crisis, just sort of like making sense of what I'm doing. Um, 
does that feel like what you're doing and who you are are like the same or do you compartmentalize this? No, I think, yeah, I, I think they're sort of the same for me. Like what I do, uh, because I don't really, the reason why I say that is not, it's not, I I just, I don't really know how to differentiate them because everything that I do is who I am, you know, like my, my job is who I am. What I eat is who I am, you know, uh, you know, exercising of, I don't know, everything and everything like socializing. And I think I can't, I find it difficult to sort of separate these things because I know, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, they really try to dissociate dissociate, (laughs) themselves from their work. Like that's not them type of thing. Uh, But I don't know how, people do that i don't either yeah i don't know how that yeah like that doesn't make sense to me um so yeah i don't don't know i sort of just said a bit of nothing there but no no no. No, i I was actually having a conversation with a friend about kind of this topic last night like the difference between people who are able to kind of compartmentalize basically what it is is like compartmentalize their relationship to like the means of their life like in like a sorry say that again like people who are able to compartmentalize themselves from like the means of production in their lives to use like a political term, like the way that they make money, essentially the way that they like have a relationship to surviving in the world and with their work. It's like how both of us were saying, like, I don't really understand people who can like just be like, Oh, that's what I do for work. But like who I am and my identity and these other things I'm exploring myself is like separate from Mm. that. I just find that like, I don't just find it odd. I, I find it's like <laughs> impossible for me to. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's not. Um, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it, you know, from my parents and stuff like that. That's you know, and like uh, sort of all the people that I know uh, that you know, sort of they sort of just fallen into some line of work yeah. just because uh, they also for them for them was find a job. That's. I was I was gonna say I think it some of it has to do with opportunity. Yeah. Where it's like some people don't have the opportunity to like um, express themselves with their no. work or like, you know, <laughs> for them to have this like deeper core relationship to like the means of, of production in their mm-hmm. life. Um, so it probably makes sense that like in the West and in the environment that we're in, um, just there's just an, a bigger opportunity for people to really make their lives viable by being who they are. And that potentially could lend itself to like, just like some level of anxiety about like, I don't know about you're saying about like this identity crisis of mm. like finding who is it, how do I like best express and mm. like find the containers to like be myself, you know? Yeah, and it, and and also there's a, a type of like, especially like in the sort of environment that we live in. Uh, you know, London, a you know, big cosmopolitan city where it sort of feels like everyone's making a life out of their identity and who they are. And mm. if, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a weird pressure around it now. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm also like, I'm also not one of those people who's like, oh, well, it's a privilege thing. Like, it's opportunity. So, like, it's just a matter of like, we just have all this privilege now. It's like, yeah, well, no, we have this opportunity. And like, it, I think some of the pressure might just come from like, 
acknowledging the opportunity that exists and being like, wow, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil this opportunity. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel very much that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not like, you know, roll your eyes. Like it's just the privilege. It's like, I don't know. It's actually like, it's a waste. It's a waste if it's not kind of catalyzed and like, yeah, definitely. Done, yeah. I, I feel like I feel that way about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, the fact that I have an opportunity, um, um in, in 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 many different aspects of my life uh, it feels like if i don't if if i don't try to make something out of that opportunity it just feels like a waste yeah. obviously in, in, it's impossible to capitalize on all opportunities uh but there's definitely a pressure to capitalize on all opportunities you know what i mean you can't though you can't yeah, you no, can't no. capitalize on all of them like i think it does come down to a matter of like I just hate how pulled I feel to use the word authentic. It's kind of ruined, isn't it? The, the word marketing teams of, uh, yeah, it's it. like a chorus. I call it. Um, no, but I think within that there's like a discernment. Um, you can't capitalize on every opportunity. So like there needs to be a certain level of discernment about like which ones. What's discernment mean? Discernment is like, um, being being able to discern <laughs> <laughs> um being able to kind of tell to kind of which one's worth it yeah yeah to to kind of assess the different opportunities um and assess which ones are going to be like advantageous and yeah. which ones are not um because when there is like infinite possibility like that's also not a productive feeling i don't think to just be like oh there's just so much opportunity like i could go any direction it's almost like you need some level of like um, limit yeah like you need you need structure and limitation i'm a big fan of like limitation mm. in a way um structure and limitation to kind of like guide you to one place i don't know i just think about like like a pinball or something it's like if a pinball is just like rolling down a flat sheet it could just go anywhere and it's not gonna like the probability of it ending up the specific place that you want it to end up mm. is low if the pinball is just like running down a flat sheet. But if there's like terrain on it for the ball to roll down, yeah. it, there's this kind of limitation of like, it can't really go there. It can't really go there. Then the probability of like ending up in a specified place is higher when you have like yeah. limitations. I also feel like um, <clears throat> just looking through my past experiences, um, uh, and connecting it to creativity, I feel like in moments in my life, like in, in work with cameras and stuff, whenever I've had the most freedom, whatever, as in like, you know, I've cameras and stuff and I can sort of get what I want. No, the product's been good and whatever, but whenever I've been the most limited, like no budget, blah, 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 like not that much freedom per se, uh, that's when I've been my most creative. Whenever mm -hmm. I've had, the, like, whenever I've, whenever I've been imposed with the most amount of limits and the most amount of, like, yeah, I guess, yeah, just limits. That's when um, I feel like I've, you know, produced my best work because you're sort of pushed to, um, yeah, you, you're really pushed to, like, solve these problems. Yeah. Um, uh, it can be super satisfying, you know? I think we're coming back around to finding an answer to your question about identity crisis in a way, which is like, 
I think we are in a social environment where possibility feels endless. Like, especially for, I, I don't know. I, I just think especially from my vantage point as like being a young person in the time periods that I was a young person, it just felt like, like I'm 27 now. So I don't think I was affected by like the limitation of COVID as much as younger people might've been, but that like, I had this felt, have had this felt experience before where like, well, there's so much possibility. You can be anybody. And especially being on the internet, like you can really be anybody. And you can also, you can be an entirely fake mm. person. Like they're like catfishing. Like you don't even have to like look the way you do, or you can create avatars for yourself. And there's just this almost like infinite landscape of, of like identity that you can choose. And I think probably that's there's not enough limitation <laughs> you know there's no not yeah, I think, limitation uh, yeah. on like on on guiding people to like following the thing that is true about them or there's not enough like i don't know if there's enough incentive for i don't know if incentive is the right word but like emphasis on like no you are actually something you're not you're not only like i don't think about it like a stem cell thing like you're not you're not just full of infinite potential. Like there's almost um, a delusion about thinking that we have infinite potential, you know, like, no, we actually can't like our personalities and our experiences and our like circumstances are actually limitations on our lives that like we're way better off to acknowledge and accept and like operate within and be creative within and problem solve within than we are to try and like, catapult ourselves through the landscape of like infinite potential, mm. you know? And then I think it f sometimes feels like we're, it's possible. Like it sometimes feel like, feels like it's cap you're capable of doing that. Especially in America, like, Oh, you can just be famous on the internet for like doing whatever. Like, um, it Make makes you feel like, it makes you feel like you're missing out on something by not, um, catapulting yourself through the landscape of mm. infinite potential. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's detrimental that we sort yeah. of, uh, that sort of society tells people that, hey, you can be absolutely anything? Yes. Back to my love of structure yeah, <laughs> and yeah, love yeah. of limitation, yeah. like love of like, like Saturnian things, like um, Saturn and astrology is like this, it's like the, the kind of gatekeeper and like the limit maker and like the time, the taskmaster. It's like the taskmaster of, of the cosmos. Mm. Um, and without like Saturnian energy in the world, it just is chaos. Like it's, it's, it's chaos in, in the way of um, like truth, truth being lost within the chaos. Do you know what I mean? Because there's nothing kind of tempering you back to, to the truth and to reality and like delusion can just draw you endlessly elsewhere. And I feel like that, in a way has been an aspect of like our social environment. I do think like the COVID situation and just the past couple of years has, we've seen more of an influx of like Saturnian energy limitation, bringing people back down. And like you hear people talking about how like the lockdown was actually like such an amazing, actually like productive time of their lives of like, well, yeah, I was just stuck at home. And like the only thing I, I had to look at myself, I had to focus on myself and, um, I couldn't avoid myself. I couldn't live within delusion or whatever. Um, that's exactly what I mean about like Saturnian energy being actually a catalyst for creativity. 
and like truth. Mm. You know, I gotta take a whiz. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about your identity crisis? <laughs> I feel like it's inevitable. <laughs> waiting for yeah. you to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Continuing with your interesting life experiences, yeah. um, you went on the big T, testosterone. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Yeah. For how long? Your two years. Two years. Yeah, I still take a little bit. Just a little bit. Just the juice. Yeah. I just like to know I can like do a pull up and like do a push up and I just like to have a little edge, you know what I mean? Yeah. And how, um, okay. So started about two years ago what sort of what sort of was the initial moment where you were like this is a possibility i uh i want to take you know like i've been having a lot of um just reflection about my experience like with cross-sex hormones like i've been thinking about it a lot and trying to process it a lot because i've been slowly going off of them so like I probably started lowering my dose when I moved here to London um, or a little bit before. Um, and now I'm just taking like an like insanely minuscule amount. And so like through the process of like kind of reducing my dose, I've just been like processing the whole experience a lot more and finding a lot of anger about it, to be honest, like finding a lot of just anger about like the circumstances that led me into thinking it was a good idea kind of. And I think the anger is just only one dimension of the entire kind of like experience. Um, and so it's been useful to like tap into a little bit of the anger. Um, but also in the processing, I've been trying to really identify what it was like, what, like why, like how did I end up there? And I, I don't even really have an answer. Cause I remember you know asking I mean? you and then your, your, you sort of skimmed past the, because <laughs> uh, I remember thinking about this the first time I asked you, uh, yeah. but like, you know, like kind of what made you do it and you're like, oh, you know, like body modification and, and I'm sure that's definitely part of it. For sure. But um, I, I, curiosity, I, like, like a huge problem for me is just like unending curiosity. But again, that's just only one dimension of the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not like a one dimensional answer about like why. Um, what, what did you feel anger towards? Now or then? And uh, both, I guess. Like yeah. more, more now. What my question was, but I think I think probably a, a holistic answer I can give you is like social environment, like um, being kind of like pulled by my social environment and like not being being a bit dissociated from myself and like being a bit dissociated from like what felt true and right to me, which I think. Is, an, is a really common experience for a lot of people of just like being dissociated from themselves. Like I can point to a lot of experiences developmentally, like throughout my childhood. Like I think a great one is the cults, like just growing up in these like really different social environments where there's no like um, strong core of like, this is who you are. This is the world that you live in. This is how you fit into the world you live in. Like it was all just chaos. Like, you know, the idea, like the world that I was reared into was, was chaos. And like, I think that's challenging for any like organism to try to develop their like 
cerebral cortex <laughs> yeah, in, you know, like yeah, yeah. those are like really important periods of time where you're like your neural circuitry is like being wired. Um, and so dissociation is a huge, is a huge reason. I think like just not just being dissociated from my own body, from my own feelings, um, which I think is where the truth of who you are kind of exists. Like I think it, does lie in like the signals that your body gives you, you know? Um, and I just didn't have the, like, I didn't like speak the language of like communicating with my body and with my like feelings. I couldn't like the, the cord was cut. I like, I couldn't talk to it and I couldn't receive messages from it. And so being in a social environment where I guess like a social environment of infinite potential kind of is part of it. Um, but also a social environment that, was really um this has to do specifically with like where I was in life but like that was confusing challenging of gender stereotypes with um like an undoing of sexual identity so it's like well if you if you don't want to be subject to misogyny you can't be a woman like that was, I think, subconsciously a message that I was receiving from like my social environment. Um, and I was like, no, man, I don't like being treated like I'm stupid. I don't like being treated uh, like I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't like I don't like being smaller than everyone else. Like um, and I think I confuse that for like, I don't want to be a woman. And a part of the anger I'm starting to feel now is like. Well, why can't I just fucking still be a woman who's who doesn't want to be treated like I'm stupid. Like what's wrong with me being a woman who doesn't want to be treated like I'm stupid mm. or that's like treated in so many other ways that like misogyny subjects us to different things. Um, and so I, I'm starting to feel this anger about like, why are we confusing those things so much? Why are we confusing like not wanting oppressive, like wanting to end oppressive gender stereotypes with like needing to blur the lines between the sexes? Because like, biologically men and women are different like for a fucking reason for like an evolutionary conserved reason that has like unfolded over millions of years of biology. Um, and so I feel just, I look back and I feel, I can, I feel sad about how confused I was. Um, and how I felt like I, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but like how I felt like I didn't have another option to not being, a woman like you just see this like I'm not a woman I don't want to be a woman and it's like some for some people that's real transsexualism is real I'm not <laughs> denying that at all <laughs> yeah, like yeah. obviously um but I think just speaking for myself like I didn't feel like there was another option for me to just be like it's like silly and sad to say but I just didn't feel like there was an option for me to like be who I was for me to feel like empowered and like embodied and mm. connected to myself and be a woman I felt like I had to become, I had to start at the beginning. I had to become something completely different to be connected to myself. And like, that's kind of sad, you know? Mm. Um, I've never like opened up that much about it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I started testosterone, it was like the excitement was mostly like, I'm in charge now. Like I get to choose who I am. And I thought that was going to, mean that I would be connected with myself and that I would know who I was and that I would like be more empowered. 
because I was in charge. I was choosing. I'm going to be like more masculine. I'm going to be like whatever. Um, and in some weird way, it led me to where I am now, which is I do feel connected to myself. I do like I feel like I got the things I wanted out of it, um, which is kind of counterintuitive, I guess. But it was through a lot of like just self-awareness and like metacognition of the experience that I ended up getting what I needed out of it. Um, but what I needed out of it wasn't to become a man, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I, I, I also like part of my anger about um, how these signals are getting confused culturally, the signals of like gender stereotypes and sex stereotypes. Um, on the other side of it, it makes me feel like, man, someone's got to fucking speak up about this too, you know? Like, I, do, I don't want to see other people fall into the same trap mm -hmm. because I think like hormones and transition and all that stuff is becoming like hyper normalized in kind trendy of, yeah 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 and i think that like other vulnerable people like me are going to think that that's an option and potentially the only option for them and there's like lifelong consequences for altering the like steroid sex hormones that circulate mm. through your body even now i don't take it anymore but like i will have lifelong consequences that i'm just gonna have to live with you mm -hmm. know um nothing like i'm lucky i didn't get like a double mastectomy you know I had one scheduled. Because really? I was, yeah, because I was like, I, you know, I chose this and now I'm going to have to go for this. You're going like all in. Yeah, and it was like, um, it was, it, it's like paradoxical because it's like, oh, well, I'm in charge. I get to choose. I'm making all these choices for myself, but still it followed this like very tr common trajectory of like, you start hormones, you start wearing a binder, you start like dressing a different way, you talk in a different way. And then you get your, and then you get top surgery, and then you're a man or whatever. Like, there's this like a trajectory of transition that, um, subconsciously, I think I was just kind of like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna go do do that, whatever. Um, which is not me choosing. That's not authentic. It's not authentic <laughs> to me, you know. Um, so I'm really lucky I didn't go through with it. Um, yeah. it was scheduled for September 11th. I remember. Yeah. 9-11. Yeah, yeah 9-11. And I was like... Um, Doomsday. <laughs> and then just, I was having dreams about it. I've told you about my prophetic dreams. But like, I was having dreams about just like my body and whatever. And my dreams were like, don't do it. And so I canceled it like a week before. A week before? Yeah. Wow, that's how close it was. Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean about like our body sending us signals. Like our, our body and our emotions. Like for whatever reason, in my sleep, my... There were certain chemicals kind of dancing around in my brain that were telling me, don't fucking do it's it. It's a bad idea. Yeah. So like my body was like, that, that, that's what I was looking for in a way. It was like my body to like have a relationship with what my body's telling me is like true for me. So blah, blah, blah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't remember what the question is at this point. I was sucked in. Um, do you... Um, um, I mean, I don't want to make it too dark, but um, uh, what do you think would have happened if you if you went through with it? Um, Heartbreak. Yeah. Um, tragedy. I think it would have been tragic. Um, yeah, I just... 
that's a consequence that I don't know if I like would have been able to live with. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, because once I canceled the surgery, that's when the whole thing started to fall apart. It was those, those dreams I was having. Like it was these dreams that I was like breastfeeding a child. Um, and it was telling me like, you're going to be devastated if you can't like feed your child. Um, and, and then having those dreams, like the whole thing started falling apart. Mm. It's like, I don't want the surgery. And like, and I, I just started feeling like it became just, it was my body telling me like, you're a female, you know, like, and part of your like biological capacity is childbirth and like, um, basically creating life itself. Like I, I just started to feel much more connected. Like, Oh, my body's actually capable of insanely cool shit, which is like creating an organism. And that is a feature of me being female. And I started to just feel more like appreciative of the fact mm. that my body was capable of that. And I was like, wow, that's actually really fucking cool. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose like the thing that like the gift that I just am given through the feature of my biology. Mm. Um, and so if I had gone through with it, I think I would have lost a part of myself that I would have never been able to recover. Mm. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, my tits. Yeah, 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 you, know, yeah. you can't really like, you can get plastic ones, but like, it's not, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't like nurture the next generation of life with a plastic implant, you know? Mm. Um, so, so yeah, like connecting with like my, like, <laughs> birthing capacity like i don't know i was like <laughs> connecting with like the the capability of like my biological yeah. features was was what kind of snapped me back to reality um and that's why I, ha I think that's partially why i have this whole shtick about like nah man we all are something and we need, just need to like figure out like we are are something and we can't just like choose infinitely what we are gonna be like we are somewhat limited by mm. like our biology and the best the specifics of like what our biology is capable of you know how was your like whole journey uh, through it? Like, I guess through the tears of it. Um, and then uh, when you started to like <clears throat> realize it's not for you, how um, how was that met? Uh, just like, yeah, like with the people that you were surrounded with, like. Well, um, I took a serious sabbatical from public life once I started to kind of change my mind about it. Um, because like, going back on something that you kind of made a big deal about is a little embarrassing, you know? So like to be public about like, Oh, I'm on hormones and I'm doing this thing and blah, blah, blah feels like, Oh, it's like brave that you're like speaking out about it or whatever. But it's like, it wasn't brave because it wasn't true to me. And so to change my mind about that, I felt like, yeah, just embarrassed. Mm. It's like a, core aspect of that feeling was just embarrassment um so i extracted myself from like <laughs> the internet and yeah. just like it just like I, I don't know i started just like really doing my own thing and kind of existing elsewhere and that's partially why like moving to a new country has felt so good because <laughs> i can just like be yeah. whatever now like yeah i've been a woman in the uk more than the past five years of my life do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like i've just been like yeah like this is my chance to just like be be who i am but um I think throughout those two years, there was a lot of like, just like self-deception about what I was doing um, and kind of a lot of like lofty, um, kind of self-important like theorizing about like, 
oh, I'm, I'm experimenting. I'm like a body modder. Like the way that I would explain it to myself and to people at the time was just that like, I'm experimenting with my own subjectivity. Like I'm trying to understand like what, what features of, of my own subjective experience are related to like hormone capacities. Whatever. I just, I treated it like I was like some like experimental, like researcher, which I think is a, is something I do. And probably a lot of people do is like you extract the things that you decide to do into being like, Oh, I just, I'm just curious. Like it's for research. It's for research purposes. You know, like I do that with like, Oh, I'm watching reality TV. Cause it's like, Oh, it's like for anthropological study or whatever. So I was extracting like this thing that I was doing to being like, Oh, it's just for curiosity, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and it was the, the self delusion part of it was like, well, no, but you're also part of that is also like, serious consequences that you're taking on, you know? And I was like denying those consequences. Um, and another part of it was that like, I was unwilling to talk to my family about it. So like I shaved my head, my voice dropped, started like wearing like a chest binder. I'm like, didn't say anything to my family. Like it was, it was kind of out of the blue. Like I had really long hair. I was like really feminine. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm experimenting with my subjectivity, like deal with it. Um, that's what I would say to people. And then with my family, it was just, I was unwilling to say anything to them about it. And I think that was another indication to me of like, this isn't necessarily real. Mm. I mean, you've said this to me uh, before, so I, Hopefully I'm not putting words in your mouth, but yeah, go ahead. Um, no, just that now you're sort of you're part of in a part of your life where you feel um, you feel good, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would do, say so. Yeah, do you feel like? Um, I mean, uh, obviously, you, you you know, you you speak about the experience, like you know, it was it wasn't like a good thing um, because you sort of felt like you had no um, uh, like no other choice almost. Um, but I guess there is a silver lining because you sort of come out on the other side you um, you sort of took what you want from the experience and uh, you know luckily in this case you didn't go through the for the complete permanent damage um, <laughs> thank god <laughs> yeah um, but you know I guess there's always like a silver lining to these things you know um, yeah uh and yeah, I mean, the bit where we sort of touched on about it, you know, the fact that it's sort of like um, the trendy part of it, you know, the the bit the bit where it's becoming um, and the, the the socially acceptable bit, acceptable bit is it's it's not necessarily a bad thing on its own, on its own. You know, there's a lot more things that. Um, I don't know, should or shouldn't be socially acceptable, but it, it, they're definitely worth talking about more. But uh, in some in some some sense, you know, whenever these new ideas become socially acceptable, then uh, there's a thing that comes with it where it's bad to question them. You know, it's it's um, uh, yeah, you're almost like not allowed to question them or. Uh, if you do and you give like alternative ideas to that solution there bigot you're a bigot man <laughs> uh, but also like uh, 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 the, uh, there is the bigger 
bigger part, but it's almost like your uh you're you're identified as someone that's like oh you don't understand type yeah. of thing you know uh which which I, uh, yeah well it's a bit of that thing we were saying at the beginning of the conversation which is like the the ideology like the kind of party line becomes larger than like what someone might just intrinsically be feeling about it where mm. it's like oh well no this this is actually how this is what we've all agreed about this thing like this is what we've all decided is is true now and if there's like any there's if there's any curiosity or kind of questioning of what that is it's like well no like we've decided that's wrong I, I know you might have that thought but you're wrong because we've already decided that's wrong and it's like it's exactly what I was saying about when there's no room for questioning when there's no room for kind of exposing hypocrisy which all of those things can be playful like you can mm. expose hypocrisy you can question things in a really playful way that's not like you know like diminutive I guess um, but like that's what I feel like has happened with like gender ideology yeah. and with a lot of things uh kind of put a target on your i feel you know if i put a target on your back for like talking about it but like a lot of things now have become that way where it's like well no no we've all agreed that it's this way and it's that way um what do you think that is um fear of a chaotic universe <laughs> You know, like we're all trying to we're all trying to get on the same page. I think there's a desire. I think there is a desire to collectivize and to feel like mm -hmm. you're a part of something larger. Um, but in reality, like the world is infinitely complex. And so to organize collectively in an infinitely complex universe with infinitely complex individuals trying to participate in that group, I think it's just like... <laughs> Almost too much to handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, well, let's let's uh, let's make these assumptions yeah. and uh, let's make let's make these rules. And I think I think it's I think it's different. I think the kind of limitation and structure of that is different than like the limitation and structure I was talking about earlier of like limitation and structure that gives rise that gives the opportunity for creativity versus limitation and structure that's going to like um, limit like curiosity and creativity. You know what I mean? There, there it's are two sides of the same coin. coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I see what you mean with that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's complicated in in yeah. its in its entirety. Yeah. Do you have um, that experience of like people, like I don't know, maybe not explicitly saying it, but like you can tell someone thinks that you're like ignorant or like bigoted about things. Yeah. Do you ever feel that way? Oh yeah, for sure. I have felt um, in certain, um, you know, in certain places where people sort of just assume things just on based based on how you look. You know, you look like a big guy with a shaved head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. Kind of a meatball. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like I don't, I don't know. I've I've been in you know certain circumstances where people sort of think you're you're someone, uh, you know. But I, I guess that sort of goes with everything. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember being in a gay club once and <laughs> I was in the smoking area. Uh, and this guy just sort of just started an argument with me and was like, well, telling me how, like, uh, I shouldn't be here and I'm, I'm in his space. And I was like, man, I'm like, well, friendly. I'm buying drinks. I'm like, <laughs> trying yeah, to sure, ever, sure. like, what? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not 
Inf- I'm not, I'm not infiltrating. Take, I'm not infiltrating. I'm here with my yeah. friends. Like, yeah. well, how uh, did you know you weren't gay? I mean, <sighs> well, you are. He smelled it. Yeah, yeah he smelled it. <laughs> it's I, no, it's true. Do you know what? I, yeah, hot take. <laughs> gay guys can smell straight guys from a mile away. So? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. I remember. <laughs> do you know what? I I remember uh, going to this this bar club place um it was my um my mate johnny who's gay and it was his birthday and went to this place and to be honest he like he doesn't he doesn't like places that like there's just too much uh, there's there's not 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 much of a balance yeah. of like um you know getting straight and whoever sure, else sure, yeah. but this place we walked in and it was an absolute sausage fest there was like honestly it must have been like 300 guys and, and maybe like two girls and it's all gay, gay it's all, all, all gay I and I, I walked in and I was like oh my days I was see I would think you would be like a big target in a I was place. like yeah oh my days yeah. I was getting touched up like literally it was crazy I was yeah, like walk- surprised me <laughs> yeah they were um yeah yeah I was, uh, it was kind of like, I don't know if it was like a confidence boost. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the thing that happens also in like, uh, I think game environments now is that like within, and maybe, the, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but like within like straight relations, there's so much more of like a safeguard against men treating women that way. Like there's just a lot of cultural projection about like how men can't treat women that way but like you see that a lot less you see a lot of those like safeguards a lot less of those safeguards in like the gay community so like i don't i've never walked into somewhere where i'm like getting touched by men you know what i mean okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like just the kind of social regulation the unofficial social regulations in the in like a gay male environment they're different yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah do you get in touch yeah yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a difference because there's all, all, all <coughs> you know, there's the, there's always the physical side of things where, uh, it's 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 the part the part is the part where you feel threatened, right? You, or you mm. feel like, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I didn't I didn't feel threatened, yeah. And it's not like it wasn't creepy. You can handle yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, it, it wasn't. I don't know like it wasn't uh creepy it was playful i guess i yeah. don't know no, no, I mean. yeah it like it's like cool like get my bum touched by someone it's like wow well, i play yeah, sports yeah. you know like we slap yeah, each other's yeah, bums sure. all the time <laughs> no i've definitely been touched before where i'm like no harm no foul you know yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, where you can feel it, it was just playful yeah, yeah but then there's there's a there's an energy yeah kind of there's an it. ick yeah, yeah, ick yeah. About, you get about certain people that or like okay the cat calling thing also mm. maybe hot take here but like i kind of like it <laughs> <laughs> but there's a but there's an energy and it it is this like stereotype thing of like well if they're cute then you like it and if they're not cute it's like yeah duh yeah, like yeah. fucking duh like if I don't know. Like sometimes I can be flattered by someone like making a comment to me on the street. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then sometimes there is like an ick factor. There's like a kind of a intention you can feel behind it that feels like kind of exploitative. Yeah. Um, do you think you feel you've? Uh, do you, Do you feel like that opinion has changed in the last 
like three years for you? No, I think my acceptance of my true feelings right. has changed. Yeah, 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 like where before you, you. I would. I think I didn't. I think I denied a lot of my own feelings about my body and identity, and right. obviously I denied a lot of shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what really felt authentic <laughs> yeah, authentic to yeah. me yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah there's yeah. a lot of denial about like because there's also a lot of denial about oh well uh women are oppressed by catcalling so i can't like being catcalled because then i'm like right. yeah, an enemy of the woman's kind of... movement or whatever if i like that but like who cares like there's so much more value in me just like acknowledging how i feel and just and just speaking the truth about it than there is about like trying to hold on to this like political line mm. about something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I've always sort of tried to like fr uh, phrase this exact feeling where it's, um, is what you said about, you know, like in, in like a social setting or societal pressures tell you that like, I, I, you know, I'm a woman. I shouldn't, I shouldn't like catcalling. Yeah. Uh, but then there's, you know, other stuff where it's like, um, you know, if, if I don't know, like, I remember like a, like a mate of a mate type of thing saying that, uh, someone and they were, it was, it was a conversation, uh, and about how like, uh, difference between women, men and women and how women are more caring you know and how just yeah. uh, and she really didn't like that bigot yeah it's like <laughs> what <laughs> like women are more caring well uh, th there's like this um, there's like a there's a rejection of anyone there's a fear about anyone being reductive oh you're being reductive about women's women aren't you can't say women are one way or the other like you're just being reductive you're putting women into a right, box right, right? Right, it's right, like yeah. Yeah, but like, what about, what about like, the force of statistics in the universe, which yeah, is yeah. that like, yeah, there's like certain kind of chemical neurocircuit like things that are happening to where women's behavior is a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. statistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what happened in this conversation? No, no, nothing. It was, it was kind of, it was, it was, it's kind of, because it's the same thing as what you're expressing, because. I don't feel like because <clears throat> also I don't think she, she really believed it as well mm. so it's like kind of like it's that thing where it's um, mo like to be honest most people we, we all have like uh, some sort of um, natural intelligence that's just sort of just in us we sort of you know we can we can you know, we process so much information on a day-to-day -day basis. We have, we're all, you know, fairly smart in, in in different ways, and we can we can we can answer we can answer loads like lots of questions about how we how we go about things. And and, and one one thing we're all sort of not experts in, but like is is humans people like we're like we we assess ourselves all the time we assess our friends all the time um and we assess you know like all humans that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis so i feel like we're very good at sort of just like um you know like social cues and um yeah anything anything socially 
so I feel like when whenever like someone expresses a view, you can sort of tell it's like, is that actually your view or is that just like? Yeah, it's intuition. Yeah, right. Like, I guess you could brand all of those like kind of processes that are occurring with social cues as like you have an intuitive sense of. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is that your intuition or is that just or do you just are you saying that because you feel like you have to say it yeah. or you feel like you yeah, have yeah. to believe in in a certain way um and you can't like it's so impossible to call someone out for that for that like to argue with them about it like yeah, you don't really feel that way man <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no because then that taps into some like yeah. some yeah you, yeah you don't want to you don't want to anger the ego yeah exactly that, yeah because that's when like, all, all hell breaks loose yeah. um yeah so what you, you, I mean, I, I guess it's, uh, we sort of started this conversation from, you know, how you, it was about the catcalling of how you feel now to back then. So I you think s- I always liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I missed it when I was a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, um, one of the things I really missed, like, I mean, I, I never like passed as a man. I was like, just, I, I looked like one of those like kind of androgynous they, them. So it's kind yeah. of the furthest I ever got. I'm also five two. So like. And my body's like naturally very curvaceous. So there's yeah. only so far I really could have gone with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I missed like, just like the guy at the corner store winking at you or like, you know, or just like a little twinkle in your eye you get from someone walking by. Like, I just miss those little like moments of like engagement between mm. men and women. And I think I felt like I was not supposed to like the kind of flirtation in public life, but it's like, no, I do like it. Like mm. that makes it makes me feel it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like alive in the world and like I'm engaging with mm. people and I think like kind of flirtatious interaction between men and women statistically is I think people actually want that. You know, mm. I think people in, enjoy that. And I'm not saying it's like kind of overt sexual interaction, but just like I'm not a big fan of like the kind of, of like a sterilized social environment where we're not allowed to kind of like just be honest about mm. those impulses that we have, you know? And I, and I was very aware of like, I noticed that I was like, <laughs> it's awful to admit, but it's like, I noticed like I lost some like level of like privilege of like, Oh, if I didn't have 25 cents, usually the guy's like, eh, don't worry about it. Or like, little, or like, Oh, I can't, my card's not working at the gas station. So I'm like, let me buy like, just like little things like that were happening less often to me. And I missed it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I just, I'll just be honest about. Yeah, it. no, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed okay. the privilege of like, be, of being able to like bat my eyelashes and get things. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're excused. Truth. You're it's just yeah, the truth. And yeah. I'm not saying that like I'm like depending on that every yeah, yeah. I go, but just like it. It's it, part of the experience. When the little, when the little, when little things like that would happen in my life, it made me feel good. You know. Where do we leave the conversation? I was saying, I like being catcalled. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I like men. Yeah. Being creepy to me. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that will. <laughs> I think that will be a real empowering message to all the women out there. <laughs> I'm sure plenty of people will be like, "Yeah, I agree." Oh no, that's a, that's the thing. Like, the thing is, it's you know, it's not about fucking. Again, it's just we're talking about the same thing. I feel, but like. It's never just A or B, right? It's not for sure. Yeah, it's just like a lot of these conversations sort of um, tackle sort of the same problem, and I feel um, kind of the medium of podcasts um, sort of uh, 
I guess, I guess you know the reason why podcasts have become so popular is, is is because I think I think just people got sick and tired of like reductive messaging, reductive messaging in the media yeah. where it was like it's either this or that, and I feel like that's exactly what podcasts all all podcasts tend to just sort of like lean on this the bits in between the A and the B, you know, like this. There's a lot there. You kind of yeah, a little over here. A little, yeah, just yeah, like yeah, swim, sure. swim through the, yeah. swim through the alphabet. And no, I think that pot, I've thought this. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm a prophet or anything, but like I remember when I first started listening to the Joe Rogan Experience when I was like 17. Like I was listening to it way back in the day. I remember being like, podcasting is like the media of the future. Like this is gonna be like the rock and roll of our generation, just in like terms of how rock and roll like revolutionized like mm. teens in the 50s you know like oh my god elvis like shaking his pelvis <laughs> elvis and his pelvis like on tv like change that like change that generation of of like of young people in their mm. consciousness i think like podcasting like is is doing that for like the new generation you well know? i mean me personally like uh i can fully admit like jorgen has been important for you yeah like it's, too. Too, yeah. I'm, I'm it's just denial. like I love Joe Rogan. it's kind of like it's some it almost feels a bit lame to say but like um i don't know why it does because like i think um so much of the positive things in my life right now have a connection one way or another <laughs> back to joe rogan and like obviously not Honestly, to give I think I could probably make a similar case for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like and it's it's not it's not him directly as a person, but like it's the container he creates for right? information it's the medium to itself. spread. Yeah. yeah. It's the medium itself. Definitely. And like the the people that he's had on and uh, the people I've ended up following because of him mm. and uh the way conversations uh can be had and just just like just, just the like this new version of conversation. It's not even new version of conversation because we've always had long form conversations, but not, not on, not being put in front of. Not accessible. Not accessible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Go on. Let's uh, let's dive into this. Oh, I had another comment about Joe, but I forgot okay. what it was. Uh, what's this thing? Uh, train all day. Uh, um, no, it's a Joe Rogan podcast by night or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Train yeah, all day, yeah. Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, that's by it. Night. Train by day, Joe Rogan yeah. podcast by night. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if it wasn't for Joe Rogan, I wouldn't be in Sedona giving Randall Carlson cookies, telling him about my theory of evolution. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't know about Randall Carlson. No, you wouldn't know. So. Hey, man, he's the guy. He lives in my hometown. Uh, do you know what? Was- you know he lives in my hometown. I'm dying to meet him. Yeah. It's going to happen one yeah, day. Yeah, I hope it does. Yeah. Do you know what I was thinking? I was like, wow, like, you know, when like celebrities dies, die and stuff, you know, and you feel like somewhat connected to them. I was like, when Joe Rogan dies, I'm going to be <laughs> devastated. I'm going to be like, boring, no, he's but- like, but he's so on the tip of like every possible like longevity hack. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he's so <laughs> into like human optimization that like we'll, we'll have, we won't lose him. For yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be out there for He'll a while. Be around. But the thing is, um, when you listen to, I, I don't, I've, I've thought about this way. It's like when I listen to someone, so much right and it's happened with a few podcasters him lex lex fridman yeah where it's like 
I, I, I've heard your voice more than some of my friends. Yeah, like I, I recognize, I know you better than some than I do you, some of my friends. It feels that way. It feels that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might. And, and yeah, generally, you, I, you I generally might. might yeah. yeah, and it's it's a weird thing where kind of like misplaced in intimacy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because. Yeah. I also feel like, you know, like with people like him, uh, with just podcasts in general, people that have a lot of hours and hours of them on the internet of like real in-depth shit, not just like stupid content, yeah, but yeah. actual like three-hour conversations and shit. I wonder, they must have some real strange interaction with humans where people go up. Sure. People, people go up to them. People know you. People know you. People come up to you. Like, you have no idea who they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people know so much about you. Yeah. And, a and so, feel a sense of like kindredness with you. Yeah, sense of vulnerability, sense of like, yeah, yeah it it must be um, an odd uh, social like role to play. That's like a particularly new like social mm. kind of role that's able to be played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in our world. Yeah. I remember the other thing I was going to say about him is that like you hear like I think there is like a fuck Joe Rogan sentiment amongst, in my opinion, shallow thinking individuals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but all of, all of like any kind of deep criticism or any, any like, criticisms I hear about him that are like thorough always feel really hateful. Like it doesn't, like I, I've never really heard anyone offer a critic, like a legitimately critical, thoughtful criticism or critique of what he does. It's always some hateful, like, oh, well, he's just a conservative. Like, he's just, you know, he's just using his platform to, like, spread conspiracies. And, like, they just, and it becomes hateful because, like, yeah, you might think that about him, but also he's using a platform to share a lot of other things, too. And he's also not explicitly political necessarily so yeah. like that criticism is kind of invalid you know um and the core of them is usually just kind of hateful yeah i mean i again uh it's just you know it's just like minimizing people to just this one thing you heard about them yeah and like um and i'm sure a lot of those people have haven't actually like listened to full episodes. yeah yeah and that's the thing like that's yeah. tends to be the case with a lot of a lot of yeah. stuff you know it's why people hate jordan peterson like yeah. with an absolute passion you <laughs> they know? really do yeah. more than joe i would say more than joe yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah people are like celebrating his demise like when he went to rehab everyone's like fuck jordan peterson uh, he deserves it it's like guys fucking hell like he's just a guy yeah, yeah he's just a guy like he doesn't it's he's he's really doesn't have that much of an impact on on you is is the thing you know yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah that's also true um uh, should we get into this Maoist cult <laughs> as before we sort of get into the tarot cards Yeah. to finish it off with yeah. an, an interesting political uh, diversion in your life sort of you know went into one cult and you thought you were free from the spell but yeah I'm ashamed <laughs> to hear it back you yeah. know what I mean yeah <laughs> Sorry. I think um, what Coco's referring to is uh, a brief stint that I had in a political organization um, that I think my involvement with 
was influenced largely by a lot of the same kind of problems of like just having having no idea who I was, having no idea like what my perspective on the world was, um, and having no like just being really dissociated from like myself and what I thought was true and what my real experience of the universe and the world was. Um, and because of that, like dissociation being vulnerable to like whatever environment I was in and just like falling into, um, falling into ideologies that I would like really take on as my own. I think that has in part to do with like the testosterone thing too, of like being presented with an ideology that's kind of all encompassing and then feeling like, so like taking it on because it gives you something, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think because you really had no idea what you thought before. Um, but yeah, I was just like involved in a really, um, violent <laughs> political organization. Yeah. I suppose. You could Sounds say. extreme. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, the bit that interests me is, I guess, like what you said about, um, Okay? Yeah, you do as you please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet on show. Oh, like I was all nervous before. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like when you started, like you're like hand hand was shaking. Now you're. I don't know. Toes out. <laughs> uh, toes out. Speaking about <laughs> extreme political. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it's just a connection of like of what you said just then, where it's like where you feel lost in the world, and when this sort of opportunity arises, and you take it as your truth you take it as your truth yeah, yeah 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 it's just that tends to happen on a lot right when whenever whenever someone's in a vulnerable position in their life a vulnerable state in their life uh you become extra gullible to these sort of side quests in life i don't know what to call them they're sort of that's a nice way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, you become, <clears throat> you just become vulnerable to like, well, I think when you're not really, when you don't have a relationship, like a kind of communicative relationship with yourself, you're just vulnerable to like, whatever communication is being presented to you. Um, and like, I lost my train of thought, but just... Um, what was like surprising to me about that whole experience was that like I walked out of it feeling like such an idiot because I was like, I've seen this before. You know what I mean? Like mm. I've done this before and I still fell for it. Yeah. Like what a fucking idiot. And then after like, it's just funny looking at the timeline of it. Like I, I got kicked out of that because I was asking too many questions. Essentially there's like a much bigger story that I don't need to go into, but like, I was essentially like removed and like isolated from that organization. Um, and I think the core of that was, uh, I was just too curious. I was asking too many questions. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't as obedient as they needed mm -hmm. me to be essentially. Um, but then after that, that's when the testosterone thing started and it's like, Oh, I just fell into another one, you yeah. know? And I think, um, I've said this to you. I've like, I said this to you last time we were talking about some of this stuff. Like, after all of those things happening to me and it just repetitively happening over and over again, I just all of a sudden became aware of like the problem is that I don't know who I am. Like the problem is that like I am not connected to myself. I don't really know like who I am and what I feel. I like 
I either deny or I'm kind of like deaf to my own body's like signals that sent to me, you know? Um, and the thing is like, your heart breaks until it stays open was the thing I said. And like, I think it's an old Rumi quote. He's like a poet, but like part of it is that like my heart breaks in the sense of like, I would, I would go into this thing, take on this identity and then it would just be shattered by, by reality. Like it would just be shattered by like, this isn't, this isn't real. This isn't true. This isn't your truth, whatever. And that, and that like those experiences were difficult and felt like heartbreak of like, who I thought I who I thought I was in this context and the world that I thought I lived in this context, which I thought was real, it just shattered. It just broke and then mm. your heart breaks and like it just breaks and breaks and breaks until at one point I just felt like I got the message and I was like it broke and then my heart just like stayed open. And the openness is like that's where like the connection to myself was found in a way of like, oh, it's not about taking on like some external identity. It's not about like um, participating in some ideology and participating in some group that's going to give me an identity. It's like, no, it has to, it has to come from within me. It has to come from like this emptiness, like this mm -hmm. broken, it doesn't have to come from brokenness always, but it has to be like the origin of it has to be like your yourself. You know what I mean? I, I think the core of like, of your identity, it has it has to be inside. Mm. You can't externalize that. And like, how do you? Basically, the question is just like, how do you make those differences? You know, how do you recognize what's what's what is what is intuition and what is? I don't know. Really? <laughs> Other than I think, um, the differentiating factor is like the level of trust that you have for yourself. So like, if you trust if you start to develop trust for like your decision making process and start to develop trust for like your gut feelings then like it's almost like a feedback then then you start to like receive the messages better do you know what i mean like you start to trust yourself and then the messages start to come in more am i making sense yeah a little bit yeah um like one i just felt like one day i just decided to just like trust what my gut feeling was rather than checking my gut feeling with, well, well, how would this person think about this or this having a gut feeling and be like, how does that fit into this larger ideology I'm supposed to participate in? Um, I just started like cutting that connection to the outside and just like be like, well, this is the gut feeling. I'm just going to trust it and see what happens. I'm just going to not kind of question the gut feeling and not try and compare it or like contrast it or let someone else have an opinion about it. I just like made the decision one day to just be like, okay, I'm just going to like see what happens, so, you know? Yeah. And then the more time goes on, the more you they develop that trust for your, your intuition and like your gut feelings, you know? And then. Have you felt that before or is that sort of mm -hmm. like a, a newfound thing after? I think it's new. Yeah. I think it's a result of like all the times you had your heart broken yeah, by the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time, it's almost like all the times I've broken my own heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like I yeah. take, I take responsibility. I'm not interested in like blaming anyone yeah. for like my stupidity or like my confusion, my like lost, my years of being lost. Mm. It was all me. Like I, I made all those choices. Um, it's a good place to be. Yeah, but I think, I think it is a new thing. Do you trust yourself? Do I trust myself? <laughs> yeah. mm, 
Yeah, to an extent. Yeah. I, 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 I'm always doubting myself. Yeah. Um, I That's uh, healthy. Yeah. I, um, I question. I question myself all the time. Um, yeah. I mean. You know, I, I like the. I guess the more the more I grow, the more I realize, you know, things things don't turn out the way you initially wanted them to, um, with 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 life. But uh, but it's also just sort of letting go of certain expectations of life in the first place as as well. Yeah. Um, and I I trust. My, I don't know uh, the whole <laughs> trust myself. I'm not sure that's the right question for me. For me, it's kind of like. I, I'm trusting myself with trying, trying, trying things out in life, and not and not sort of just like giving up because they sort of don't work out in 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 more ways than one. Because I feel like things not working out can be um, uh, things don't work out for for multiple reasons. Something I've been thinking about uh, a lot recently, where it's like. I'm trying to connect with my intuition and I'm I'm trying to connect with my gut feeling and sometimes I I I confuse myself on what that actually means because for example for this a personal example with this YouTube thing that I'm trying to do yeah I um sorry this chocolate was exceedingly messy Yeah that's okay it's <laughs> getting a bit melty um I quite, I quite, like I question myself is like as a hey can I can I actually make this YouTube thing work and also it's like well I'm not naturally I'm not naturally putting the effort in enough effort in for it to work so does that mean I'm not uh, naturally inclined to make this my career but then also at the same time it's like well no if I just if I if I just not do anything that I don't feel like doing, then I'm probably not going to fucking get anything done in life in the first place. Yeah. Uh, which, which I've always felt that way. But but then it's just like, but then it's, it's the, uh, the bit where I've been trying to connect with more is my intuition and my gut feeling of like, do I really want this? Or is this like an idea that I think I want? Mm. Uh but you also have to recognize that wanting something and like attempting to achieve something requires like grit and it requires there's consequence to it and so it's about like whether or not the de desire is strong enough to like kind of sit through mm. the amount of like grit and patience and yeah. hard work that it's going to take and also um oh reconnect my headphone <laughs> um and also, something I heard from Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. that I quite like, and uh, my guy, um, was, you know, it's like, not only, like, when you're trying to achieve something, oh, of course, it's important, like, what, you know, what is the goal here? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve is important to think about, but also it's important to think about, about, what hell are you trying to avoid mm. by by doing this like yeah, yeah. Well, what what's the like what's the contrary like if you don't do this 
then well that's actually a bigger motivating factor for human behavior of like what do you how do you avoid aversive experiences that's going to be a lot more like you derive a lot more um like motivation i guess yeah motivation is the word then you do from like envisioning what you actually want yeah kind of like yeah kind of avoid in hell avoid in hell is probably a be, uh, a make bigger, you run faster. Bigger, yeah, it ma- makes you run faster <laughs> yeah. than than trying to chase Get heaven. Into heaven. Yeah, 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 you know, like yeah, it's a bigger motivation to to just like, like. And I think there's has to be like evolutionary and like biochemical signaling processes that have to do with like, yeah, you're gonna be like initiated more like biochemically by trying to like run away from something that's gonna eat you than you are trying to like pick some berries or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Like. Yeah. There's there's more incentive evolutionarily and behaviorally to avoid being killed than there is to like approach things that yeah. are like beneficial for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah. So what hell are you trying to avoid? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> life life of desperate uh, life of uh, quiet desperation, I guess. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. A, a life of. Uh, um, a life of not trying. That's what I'm trying to avoid. So, mm. and I feel like I'm... What's the feeling like? What is What does it feel like for you to realize that you haven't been trying? Uh, it, it, do you know what? It's, it, it's, it's not that because I, I don't think I haven't been trying. So I'm not particularly... But uh, how would you feel if you realized that you hadn't been trying? How would I feel if... <laughs> um, I've... Well, I kind of it's it's interesting because I kind of I do feel I do feel that you know, uh, and I kind of it, there's like a in part in me that constantly feels that that I'm not trying enough. It's not that I'm not trying, but it's I'm not trying enough, you know. Um, which on one side is you know it's it's kind of like a negative feeling because uh, it can have a sense of guilt that I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to. And I'm I'm not I'm not pushing hard enough for my my dreams or not dreams but you know just trying yeah. to actually make something, but also uh, <coughs> that was weird. Also, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've said this before as well. I I I like the fact that I have high standards for myself, yeah. and I like the fact that I do question myself and I do um, ask myself those questions because. I'd rather I'd rather do that than your self criticism is like catalyzing. Yeah, like I I like being self critical because yeah. then it, it's it it propels me to, in my mind, be a better human, whatever that might mean. You know, you're, it's like you're constantly checking your work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just not not just my work, but just just myself. You know how 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 I go about how I go about my lifestyle, and. Do you think sometimes that feels like um, like looping where you're like, if you didn't, if you weren't so self-critical, if you weren't so like <clears throat> aware of places where you could do, could improve, you would maybe be like moving forward faster? Yeah, I have thought about that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I remember when I was younger, there was, there was a level of like, 
uh, I don't know if innocence is the right word, but there was like a level of innocence for me where naivety, maybe. Yeah, I would just do shit and not question it at all. I would just like do stuff that yeah. now I would, I would think, oh, that's a bit too cringy to do, or that, or whatever. <laughs> just like you know, like kind of, I, I feel like when you get older, like your your ego starts um, putting a bit more, a few more boundaries on you, um, which you know, I'm sure there's 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 good and bad about that. Um, but I have definitely felt that has changed over the years, and now I'm now I'm a lot more conscious on basically everything I do. Uh, yeah. Well, you have a Virgo moon. <laughs> what does that of mean? Course. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Uh, mean? Your moon is kind of like your emotional experience. Um, it has a lot to do with like your your kind of like daily emotional experience in life and how you're processing the world. Um, and Virgo is like this, basically the sign of like discernment and self-criticism and like Virgos can be very anxious because mm. they're very, uh, detail oriented and like very critical. So having your moon in Virgo means that you're really, you pay really close attention to detail mm. with yourself and with other people. Mm. And so like, I've seen, I, I feel like I can attest to this. Just like I can, I can see that as like a feature of who you are. Like you're just, uh, things don't really slip past you. Do you know what I mean? Like you're pretty cognizant and aware of like little things that are going on within your own self and like within other people's behavior. Um, and that you're processing little things like that all the mm. time. And you're making decisions based on like those, those like little criticisms that you pick up. Yeah. On. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know what? It, it manifests itself physically sometimes as well. I've never actually told this before to anyone, yeah. but my, uh, my right side of my face my cheek and I can feel it a little bit now yeah. like when I'm uh, when I go through periods of like um, maybe not going about my life exactly how I'd like to go about my life my body my body tells me like my right side is yeah. gets hot and, and it it stays that it can stay that for days it, it, and I feel it like I, I had a period uh, recently where I, honestly for like a week my the right side of my face, uh, face was a bit um, what was going on just like you know, like not um, uh, just a bit of a rhythm. It kind of happens whenever you know, when I have like a long weekend or something when I'm just like partying, having a fun time. But then I sort of slip into like slip out of my routine and like complacency. A, yeah, complacency and like I'm not going about my life exactly how I want it. And and your body tells you. And my body's like, this is what I was saying about like our bodies send us signals. Yeah. And like it will. T- it, I truly believe that like it will tell you where you're fucking up if you're paying attention. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it'll it also send you affirmative signals of, like, something... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, feeling it's good. both. Yeah, it's yeah. both. But, but... That's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is it... Does it feel this thing of, like, oh, here goes the cheek again? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah, it does. Honestly, it's like, uh, uh, here we go. It's hot again. I hear again. your cheek. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Time to fix some shit. Time to get back into my... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it happens. It's been happening for years as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's just manifesting itself. Well, I, I think uh, something I was going to mention earlier. You were asking me about, I don't know, just like how, how I guess I like developed also more of a sense of like connection with husband. Like moved away from externally identifying myself more. And I think another answer to that question is like physical exercise, like particularly doing martial arts um like puts you in such a closer connection to like the processes of your body 
like putting yourself in positions regularly where you're like at your capacity of like capability, like you've run as far as you can run, like you've been hit in the face as many times as you can or like whatever it is, like just like the actual kind of physical limitations of your body, having a relationship with those like physical limitations, I think also starts to develop your relationship with yourself where you like, oh, like this is what I'm made of, you know, like this is what my body can do. Mm. This is like, you start to have a relationship of like understanding, uh, understanding the relationship between your kind of willpower and your actual limitations, you know? Um, and I think like just, I would, if I was going to point to one thing that like saved me from this like horrible loop of like self identity crisis, it would probably be martial arts, like just like physical, physical movement, Mm. you know? Um, and it, it, and it goes a little bit into this thing about like your body, like the relationship that you have with your body being like the relationship you have to yourself and your identity where like, it's not only your body sending your signals, but there's a feedback. Like you also have to put some input in or you also have to tell your body you also have to tell your body kind of like hey bitch i'm in control you know what i mean like you don't want to run right now or like you don't want to whatever but like you have to kind of like um tamper it and like Mm. and like uh, what's the word just like wrangle it and be like i'm in control yeah yeah fight the resistance yeah yeah there's the the relationship of like how of your body and speaking to it is it goes both ways you know, and I think I think that that trust with the body builds over time. The more that you engage with it, because now, like one of my things, I was like, if I don't work out for a couple of days, I start to feel really wonky, like the, like your cheek thing a little bit. You know, it's like emotionally, I get kind of like I just get a little depressive or like complacent. And there's I I don't know how to identify, but there's a specific feeling of like you haven't had your dose of endorphins in a couple of days. And then it just yeah, it yeah, deteriorates yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's very obvious that it's like okay. And then I go work out, I'm fine. Yeah, and I feel fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, like every time. <laughs> Works every time. Works every time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we do tend to overcomplicate things sometimes. We um, yeah. I mean. <laughs> There's, to be honest, what what jumped out of my mind then is this like sort of new movement, you know, of like loving yourself and yeah. and you know, it's just like it's such a it, it can be so simple, you know, uh, just like really listen to your intuition and gut and I mean it's just kind of boring to say, but exercising, drinking water, and having a good nutrition. But but it's also like you need the kind of moments of like bristling to like really have it mean something because there's like one thing where you could just kind of have like unquestioning tacit acceptance of yourself like oh I feel like a piece of shit today and I guess I'll just love myself and I'll just do nothing or whatever like um it's a relationship you know Mm. it's like a relationship of like pushing pulling Mm. and like sometimes just like fighting fighting through those moments of like yeah I uh, don't want to do it, but actually... But the, the, the actual loving thing for myself is to go do it. To go do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To go and like, okay, persevere. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but I think there's a relationship to what you're saying about like, you don't want to feel like you're avoiding this kind of aversive experience of feeling like you're not pursuing something. And it's like, yeah, that might, that might be 
challenging. Like there might be like certain like moments of grit you have to have, but it's like, yeah, they, but at the end of the day, like the loving thing to do for yourself is to like push past the challenging aspects. You know what I mean? It's like really turning into a like chicken soup for the soul here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did y'all have those here? Chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. No, but I get what it means. You know? it's oh, like, it's, I guess it's an American thing. It's yeah. like, it was like this book series. Oh, it's like a thing. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this book series of like, I guess it was just like early, just self-help type shit. Yeah, and there was yeah. one for everyone, like chicken soup for the, for the teenage puberty soul. Or like yeah. chicken soup That's for gr- the lo- empty nester. Yeah, I love like, the title. That's, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> chicken soup, yeah. <laughs> chicken soup for the soul. Cool. That was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How the, um, you were a bit nervous before we started. Do you feel at ease now? Yeah, clearly. Clearly, yeah, clearly. <laughs> That's how it always goes. Like, yeah. it takes me a little minute to... Ease in. Ease in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I was also thinking, um, I don't know if you remember the tarot reading I gave you last time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, honestly, if you, yeah. It was about like uh, trusting your intuition, like trusting okay. your gut. Yes. I just remember like that was the kind of takeaway of it. I was like, you have to like do the thing that makes you feel like the, yeah. you know, just like the happy baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about that when you're mentioning like trusting your gut. And I have my tarot cards. Well, you do have your tarot cards, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's about time you crack them open, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your birthday tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow. Yeah. Tell yeah. me how we feel about that. Um, uh, on one side, I feel good about um, um, getting older. I, I like uh, I like growing up. I like feeling like um, I like feeling like this progression in my life, and I feel like time is is a uh, time can sort of lead to both a crisis of like. I'm not achieving enough in my life to, I don't know. Pam's a great teacher in it. I, 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 again, it's like cliche to say, but you know, Pam's a great healer. It's a great teacher. It's a great, um, <clears throat> gives you a good perspective, perspective on life. Um, and the one thing about that's been freaking me out, this year is that time's been flying. And to be honest, ever since sort of COVID started, time's been flying really quick for me. Um, and and, and it's, it, has, it has put me in a, in a state of like, a bit more urgency, uh, which I like, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I like feeling like, hey, I need to get something done. While, while I'm still on this planet and I'm really healthy and I'm like, have basically no responsibility in my life. Now, like now is my time to really try shit and really, really just, yeah, try shit. Was what, what I was talking about before. Just um, feeling like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna have a go at life and see see where it takes me. Do you feel like you haven't had a go? You haven't been going? And no, I have. I have. I, f- I feel like I have been. I have been taking a somewhat unorthodox, un- unorthodox path, because yeah. I, I've had many opportunities in my life where I could have 
taking a path and i probably would have been all right as well like like a decent job type of thing like in the film industry um which is kind of like plan b i guess um and it's really not a terrible plan b but you know but you would always wonder yeah exactly and I, I, if if i do go down the path of just like you know being like a camera operator and whatever whatever I think that would be completely fine by me. It's just the fact that the fact that I have the opportunity to do something else is um, is kind of a uh, yeah. I, I I I'd like to not go throughout the rest of my life just asking my just asking what if questions. Um, so yeah, I kind of went on went roundabouts there, but well, I can say as a. I'm already 27, so as an elder. As an elder. <laughs> no, I just think uh, I think I I think I relate to what you're saying, and it being potentially like kind of a temporally dependent experience of like at a at a certain age, like that feeling just starts to come out a little bit more of like I don't know, just like well, the urgency it becomes part. an it becomes an age, like being 27, like yeah. it becomes an age where you're like, what are you doing? You're like you're either gonna fucking do it or you're yeah, yeah, yeah not exactly kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah juncture point yeah yeah i don't want, i don't want to just be a fucking i don't want to be a loser you know what i mean yeah, uh, it's yeah. literally it's what it is <laughs> like, I, I don't want to just like yeah like, like i want to do something significant with my life you know and whatever that aspect that me i just that's not that doesn't mean like you know it doesn't mean like hey, i want to just completely change the world or like, i don't know like Significant can mean so. Significant is subjective to the person that's that's doing the thing, right? Yeah. So it's whatever feels significant to me. Uh, Do you think they're shuffled yet? Huh? Do you think they're shuffled? I think yet? they're shuffled. <laughs> I think they're shuffled. Yes. Okay, you can cut the deck. Cut the deck. I'm gonna cut them a couple of times. There we go. The lovers. Pentagons, 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 pentacles. Money. That's Money, let's go. So, do you have, is there a way you go about? I mean, uh, no. I mean, um, no, I'm, I'm, in, oh, I'm intuitive. You're intuitive. <laughs> this is intuitive. Um, I usually. I usually kind of just draw until I'm like, okay, I'm seeing something. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Um, but hey, I'm not a professional here, so just yeah, let yeah. me riff here. Yes. Um, so I would say, well, first of all, I'm noticing like a lot of pentacles, which is like money and like building something. So it has to do with like the earth element. Um, so, well, first of all, the lovers is kind of like the, the overruling card here, which has a lot to do with, um, it can be like relationships, but it can also be like, how your relationship to yourself is reflected through like things that you engage with externally. Mm. So like the lover's card is kind of a mirror of like, like relationships in a way can are, are mirrors for us about like what we're seeing in ourselves. Um, so it doesn't always mean that like it's about another person. It's really about how, relationships that we have experiences that we have are giving us reflections back to ourselves mm -hmm. about who we are. So like, um, 
I think it can also relate to like in in like romantic relationships sometimes or like just even it can be in friends like even friendly relationships that like really make you feel good for the most part what it's doing is giving you a reflection of what you like about yourself it's like showing you like it's bringing out the positive parts of you it's like showing you like oh actually what this person is inspiring has been inside of me all along so like it could be just a moment of like getting reflection back onto like yourself about yourself Mm. and so like maybe like certain friendships you have or certain situations that you in where you're like learning or you're like building a a better relationship with yourself and you're like um, getting a reflection back onto yourself that might be might feel good do you think does that resonate in any way yeah yeah it does yeah 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 um so next what comes after that is ten of pentacles six of pentacles and ace of pentacles which is like ten of pentacles is kind of like um abundance like earthly abundance so it could be indicating like i think just in terms of what you're saying like it's it's almost like a beacon of it's kind of signaling like some type of success about like building something like there is an abundance um of like earthly material that comes from building something so it could be like it could be money or it could just also be like the success of having something materialized you know like oh you actually did the thing like you, yeah, yeah. it became it became something um and ace of pentacles is also kind of saying that it is like it's like the spark of initiation that creates something material so like these two cards here are like the actual physical manifestation of like what you're trying to build mm. you know um and the six of six of pentacles here is about it's like the card of charity so it's about kind of like the give and take relationship that you have so like it can both it can be a reminder of like um are you giving too much are you taking too much or like to reflect on your the give and take relationships that you have so that with the lovers might also mean that there's something about um this thing that you're building that has to do with like the give and take with with people around you and three of three of pentacles is down here too which is like um like working together, like, like teamwork. This is the card of like teamwork, like build it, like bringing people in to mm. like help you. And so there might be something of like not having to go it alone necessarily, mm. like being able to bring in other people or like use the relationships that you have to like catalyze you forward it's like you're not alone yeah in this i have actually been thinking about that a lot to yeah. be fair so yeah um, and it's not that like you have to like be in a partnership of like you know it's not like you can't it can't be your project but it's just like let let like let the world influence you like mm. let let the way that other people are reacting and responding to what you're doing like like push you and kind of shape you and like be responsive to like what what the give and take is of, mm. of like energy and then uh, the other two cards here um two of wands is like it's like this guy who's like looking across the horizon mm. like planning something he's like he's like planning for his success and like planning for his future and like like kind of organizing his willpower and trying to determine what he's going to do well, well, with the, it the devil but <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The, devil. the devil is like um actually i think when the devil comes up it's like signifies the potential for liberation like the the possibility for being liberated from something because like it signifies like your attachments and like your especially like 
attachments you have (laughs) (laughs) like attachments you have to the past so like this could be like things things in the past that have kept you from building the thing that you want to build things that like even just like cognitive attachments or like associative um kind of like boundaries that have not been helpful or like that that are no longer serving you and so this is just like highlighting like it's it's shining a light on like where those limitations and like where those um like attachments that have been holding you back are and when they get illuminated because as you're looking forward like these things are getting illuminated like what has what has kept me from actually Mm. like building and like planning you know okay i see what you mean like you have the opportunity to look at those things and bring people in to help you like teamwork you know um it's good. I like that. Oh, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Death Tower. Bad cards. I like it. I like a bit of a challenge, so let me hit, let's see it. Well yeah. Um I think these are all good things. <laughs> yeah. I mean Um I think they came out. I mean I'm I'm, I'm a I'm always the one to see silver lining and things, so I think the tower is usually like the falling, the crumbling of the things we've built on our foundation that are unsustainable. So like you have your foundation, which is like you, and then most people have like built these constructs on top of the foundation of their identity um, that are, you know, that the kind of authenticity of them is... Mm dependent on the person or whatever so like the tower like that's the foundation and like that's this is all the things that you've like built and when it crumbles like when the tower crumbles it's like the falling of the things that aren't serving you it's just the falling of the things that you've you've built on top of your identity Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't true to you anymore so the experience of this can be painful or challenging or the experience of it can be liberating it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of how you look at it but what's coming next is my guy the nine of cups who's like, look at him. You know what I mean? He's like, so into himself. Like, he's like, look at what I got. Like, I know what I got. And I'm like, just fucking, I'm proud of it. And so this could be like, whatever comes after the tower, I usually think of like what's being exposed after like the fall of the tower and what's being exposed is like a level of like abundance and like emotional like happiness because cups is like your emotions. Mm. So like, once you let go of these things that have been like holding you back and like just let them fall away, like what is left over, like what's left in the ashes of that is like you actually have like there's like a purity of, of like joy that's mm. left over there. And then death says a similar thing of just death. Death, I think here in this context is just saying like let it compost. Do you know what I mean? Like like just let it go. Like all those things that fall away, just like let them go. Two. One more. Ah, Ace of Cups. Ace of Cups. The card of it's the Holy Grail. It's the card of just like ultimate peace and happiness. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ain't it sweet? Look at it. It's just a sweet little that, card. That is a sweet card. It's very um. Well, it is very. It's, it's very uh very peaceful. It's a very peaceful card. Yeah. 
Randall Carlson has a lecture about the Ace of Cups. He has a, a lecture about the Ace of Cups, yeah. does he? Check it out, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Randall Carlson with the Ace of Cups. Yeah. What, it just... It's about, like, the Holy Grail, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. Like, the, like, secrets of the mysteries of the universe being contained within the, the Holy Grail. But that's another... Yeah, so no, <laughs> that's and a whole another conversation. How are you feeling about all this? Good. I like it. I like it. I, it and, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, with these things with uh, sort of readings that can be... Uh, I always find them... I always think they're always... A bit hit and miss, but like uh, whenever I do them, I always find something, something, yeah, tips, tips and tricks. But yeah, I, I like it. I think is yeah, I've, I've I have been thinking about to be honest a lot of this, you know, just about like teamwork and bringing people in to help me in certain situations. I have been because I I feel like I do give a, a, a decent amount of energy. Oh, I have done in the past i'm sort of making that shift now to sort of receiving receiving yeah i think this can also be a card of like receiving yeah um and like with the, with the tower as well it's just like you know i've built i feel like i have built a foundation on just like <clears throat> I've, I, I, I've i've built a foundation on it's not necessarily a bad thing but i've just i have been given a lot in my life in terms of just like uh, you know, I've, I've been offered offered work quite often. I haven't necessarily had to look, work very hard to get certain things. It's sort of just been offered to, offered to me. And I also do, you know, it's not it's not it's not completely random that people have offered me things because, you know, whenever they do, I do a good job at them. Yeah. So it's not like completely. It's uh, unwarranted, like you. Yeah, I do feel like I have earned it, but uh, I also feel like. Uh, in some sense, it's I, I don't I don't want to go about my life just expecting things from from the world and expecting it just to just yeah have a have a free reign of opportunity just to constantly come at me and free reign of just like yeah just a free reign of things to come at me I I, I do um uh or maybe perhaps I'm too romantic about the idea of just like having challenges and and mm -hmm. and then like you know persevering through those challenges mm -hmm. but uh that's where i'm at right now you know i'm i'm sort of i'm sort of putting challenges on myself just to see kind of go through with them you know kind of materialize them well yeah and there's like some element of uh choice and like autonomy involved in trying to go your own way rather than just like having the things be handed to you yeah. or just uh, like accepting the things that are uh, receiving the things that are available to you. Yeah. 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 Do you have any questions? Any other questions? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's done. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Well, it's actually tomorrow, but. Yeah. But Happy year. Early birthday. Happy early birthday. We're in the twenty-four hour window. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm gonna draw a card for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Well, just the one card. Well, let's see what happens. Okay. All right. Let's see if it's telling me anything. Do you want? A, do you want a card for the podcast, Coco Pods as a whole, or for this episode? Coco Pods as a whole. 
lots of greenery. So blue. Yeah. Who do we have here? King of Swords. Well, this first card, I actually really love this card. Uh, Seven of Wands. To the viewers. To the viewers. <laughs> Seven of Wands is basically like a card of perseverance, essentially. Um, so what you're saying makes sense. Um, and it's a card that's saying like, you want this thing and you're really going to have to work for it, but it's also kind of showing you like, you have everything you need. Mm. You just have to work for it. Yeah. Like you have all the resources and you have all the skill set. like you're capable of this, but you're still going to have to work for it. Um, now is a time of like, it's almost, it's like a form of patience of like having to just put in the hard work. It's the, mm. it's a grit thing. It's a yeah, grit yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But you don't question whether or not you're going to succeed or whether or not you're capable of it because you are. King of Swords. I think of the King of Swords is like, like ultimate scientist. Like the King of Swords is, uh, has like mastered a certain level of like mental energy. Like I feel like the King of Swords. He's like a stoic. Yeah. Like he, he can be a bit cold and cutting and like dry, but like he knows the truth. Like his sword is like cuts away the things that are not true. Um, and so it's also like swords are like mental energy. So it could just be a thing about like, like communication is like a mental thing. You know what I mean? And like the podcast being a form of communication of like developing some level of like mastery over communication, you know? And then the four of cups is like, four of cups can be, it's an opportunity that's being offered to you either. And like, he's kind of like ignoring it. He's kind of like pouting about it. He's kind of like ignoring it. Mm. So it can either be like, it's either like something that you're not like some type of feeling or some opportunity that you're not acknowledging or some opportunity that you don't want. So I, I think sometimes it can be like, there's a level of like, I think it can be about gratitude. You know what I mean? Like there's something that's there, but you're just like, I don't want to look at it. You know what I mean? Or like, I, I don't want to like participate in that. Mm. And what it could be is just appreciating the thing that you have. Like that's what needs to be done. Or it could be like an opportunity that's available that you're uncertain about. So I don't know if that relates to anything. Um, uh, perhaps it's, it's, it's what I was saying earlier about, um, you know, things being given to me when mm. in, my, in fact that yeah. I sort of want to make my own thing. Um, so I guess it's that. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, for sure that makes <laughs> sense for like just being handed something but being like like rejecting the thing that yeah, you're yeah. being handed. And then what's next is like Two of Swords is kind of also about choice. It's essentially like she has like I'm not showing all the cards. I should show all the cards. That's fine. It's probably the bit I'll focus anyway. <laughs> uh, Two of Swords is just about like making a choice of like which direction you're going to go. There's like, like two paths diverge, you know, you can go one way or the other. And like this card being in between these two is like, yeah, maybe you're choosing whether or not to take the thing that's just like offered or like develop your own sense of like mastery and develop your own like truth, your own sword forward, mm -hmm. you know, queen of wands is like the card of, she's like the blood sex magic lady. Like, um, Blood, sex, magic. Yeah, there's just something about the Queen of Swords that's like, it's about this kind of like deeper 
pulse of like mystery and magic that that kind of just undergirds a lot of things and so when she comes up it could be like either your ability to tap into that or like just this kind of influence it could be like synchronicities occurring or like maybe that's like an energy that you might be embodying in some way of like the way that you're using your creativity you know like it can also just be a card of if you're not into the whole blood sex magic thing <laughs> it could just be a card of like creativity like creative energy and then uh, four of pentacles is like stability structure so it could be like in the coins like he's just like mm. holding on to his coins like look at all these coins um so this is like building like it's again like like building mm. and knowing what you have and being like it could almost even signify like appreciate how far you've come so far you know what i mean and like be aware of like the things you have built already yeah and appreciate the things you have built and like hold on to them you know like hold on to like the the pride or the the feeling of security that might give you you know i like it very uh i feel like two very positive readings well it's a matter of the reader too a matter of the reader <laughs> definitely yeah having a optimistic yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. slant no not that there's anything i could have read in there that was no, well, I read it honestly. Yes. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, li I, li I, like, uh, I like things on the positive side anyway. Yeah. Oh, rather, actually, just on the honest side. But I feel like... Yeah. Nothing interesting. Let's see it. <laughs> Chariot. Go forth. That's what, It's like the card of like forward movement. Yeah. Yeah. I, feel, I mean, I feel, I feel like that's what a lot of this podcast is, is going to be, you know? Just like uh, not lose track of 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 what I'm trying to achieve and not not become uh paralyzed by the by the pressure of it um and and sort of just just do it without questioning it too much, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll also use this as an opportunity to shout out my own your podcast. Yes, please. <laughs> so you're starting. You have started. I have one episode. Uh, Atlanta Power Hour podcast. Catch me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcast. I don't know what Podbean puts you on, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you're on all of them. Actually, I need I need to do that because I think um I think I'm just on Spotify and Apple. Okay. Currently. Lana Power Hour. I like it. Yeah, it was an old... It was my radio show in college, actually. Yeah, I yeah. I used to do a radio show, so it's uh, not a new... It's like a, I'm just bringing it back new and improved. It. Yeah, I yeah. used to play music, but now I'm just yammering on yeah, <laughs> about yeah, yeah. science, usually. Science and a uh, connection to magic and mystery, I guess. Yeah. 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 I like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the first one. I'll send uh, you a link. Yes, please. Um, I'll put a link in the description for anyone that's listening that managed to come this far. <laughs> yeah, in, God bless you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for coming this far on. Um, how are you feeling about it? Are you, are you excited? About uh, which? This uh, one or my... Or? Yeah, yours about starting this sort of... No, I feel actually really good. I feel like I have a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> kind of like... Um, I turned on a microphone like 
and I just started talking. That's kind of how it started. And I was like, actually, like I have so much shit I want to say. And like, I feel excited about building a container for like t- for me to express my thoughts. So like the podcast is just a container, and then I can start dumping mm. stuff into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I intentionally didn't really build a, a big structure about like. Um, it's, this is going to be the theme and this is going to be the intention. And I, I was kind of like wanting it to be more organic of like whatever, whatever kind of comes out, it's going to be whatever it is. Like letting it unfold kind of organically. Um, but yeah. Land Power, our podcast. Land Power. <laughs> Sweet. We good? Are I'm we, good. yeah, are we yeah. Uh, going to end it? It's been, it's been a pleasure having you on. Absolutely. I, um, yeah. I kind of knew that I'd want to have you on this podcast uh, pretty soon after we met. But I was like, "It's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a moment in the future where it's gonna yeah. happen." But yeah, this I'm, bitch won't shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it in front of a microphone. Put it in front of a microphone and let, yeah. let it let it all happen. But yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, once again. Thanks. For and uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll I'll be on. I know. Land. Maybe I'll have to come on. Yeah. LPH. 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 <laughs> yeah. I like it. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Farewell. Farewell. <laughs>